0: Find their ill logic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out! Freak!
1: Two! two
0: three. You belong to the circus, right next to the dog.
2: I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum.
0: Sheep, Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lipped,
2: stack
1: of monkeys!
2: And now, together by live simulation via the internet Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell Blah 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 blah, 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 blah.
0: No, blah 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 Hello and welcome back to Two True Freaks. I'm your co-freak Scott Gardner. And with me, as usual, is my co-freak, former Menudo band member, Chris Honeywell. Say hi, Chris. Hola. <laughs> and we also are joined once again by our first guest guest freak, Mark Buttrick. Say hi, Mark. Hi, Mark.
1: I mean, hi, everyone.
0: Ah, how you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Excellent. We're so happy to Thanks. have you on tonight. Are you feeling extra freaky tonight? Uh yeah, I'm getting there, man. Once once I start getting into this alcohol, I'll be I'll be that much better. I need to finish my coffee first. Um but uh we'll get into our topic in a minute, but we brought Mark in as a uh, as a special consultant expert whatever uh, on this subject. He he is far more versed on it than than either Chris or I. So this this promises to be a very good show. Um did you guys have anything to throw out before uh, – I, I just had a couple things to talk about real quick before we get into the main t- topic of the show. Did you have, guys have anything you wanted to shout out or anything? No, um, no
1: I threw my garbage out earlier, so I'm good. <laughs> All
0: right, just a couple quick things. Um, bleh, my uh, my alcohol is piss warm. Nice. So
1: okay. Speaking of money, when do I get my check for this show?
0: Um, Oh, it's it's in the mail. mail. Okay, cool. Um, I thought you guys might find, I thought both of you actually would find this very interesting, but from slightly different angles. This is something from, oh God, I meant to mark it and now I forgot. I think this is from soundtrack.net, but I I forget. But anyway, this was, I found this very, very interesting. Um, In our very first episode, Chris and I discussed the subject of downloading you know, and and file sharing and all that. And we got on our high horses and and preached to people about that. Um, But if you remember, the stance that I took, and and one of the things I was very passionate about was the fact that, you know, I'm a soundtrack collector, you know, movie score collector. It's it's my kind of music and what I listen to. And I remember talking about um, Superman Returns and how, you know, if they had packaged it, As a commercial release, the way I was able to find a bootleg online of it, that I would gladly pay the money for it, and you know, blah, blah, blah. If you listen to the show, you know what my stance was. Anyway, I thought this review for the recent Incredible Hulk score was really cool. And here, this was the last paragraph of it. I won't read you the entire thing, but this was the last paragraph. I thought this was really interesting. It says, but while the score is not particularly notable, the manner in which it is released is. Apparently, the director felt the score, so uh, that the score was so strong, that he pushed to have it released in to- total without the usual cuts that characterize soundtrack releases. Partnering with Amazon.com, Marvel agreed to sell the Incredible Hulk as a two-disc CDR pressed on demand. The sound quality of the CDRs is quite good, and the privilege of hearing every note Armstrong composed for the movie is a welcome one. Could this movie presage the future of score releases? I hope so. If only, so we can hear how the composer fully envisioned the score. Man, um, I, I felt so vindicated reading this. I was like, that—that that is exactly what I said in that episode that I wanted them to do, that you know, release a quality product give me every note of that soundtrack that's the way to release a score and you know whether you love that score or hate it or indifferent whatever man i'm just i, I applaud them that is the way to release a movie soundtrack and i sure as hell hope that, that that's the future
2: it is the future and 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 you know just the big companies are just catching up to it but that's that's the entire internet that's that's the way the internet's influencing it is you know as a single press you know press-to-order
0: I, I think CD. that's just
2: that's a great I, idea
1: what do you think about that mark uh, I think it's great and I actually I really enjoyed Craig Armstrong's score for the Incredible Hulk I thought it was a good movie I thought the score was excellent um, and along with those lines I um, actually was talking with the vice president of Disney music um, a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about the Condor Man score and how that's never seen the light of day, and that that would be a great score. You know, it's Henry Mancini, one of the greatest composers ever, mm-hmm. and it's one of those Disney scores that hasn't gotten you know, released. And um, and so I was talking to him about when that might come out, and um, he was talking to me about this new idea that he's working on that's not, you know, uh, anything to do with Condor Man, of course, but it could be a result of that, and that is, along those same lines, is doing it some kind of a... Uh, a downloadable score where you don't have all the overhead of um, of pressing a CD and getting the photographs and and uh, you know licensing. Well, you have to you have to get licensing and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, you cut down your overhead and you make it available to your select audience group of people, so that people that have been waiting for these things can actually finally get them sure. in good quality. They and so do, I'm really excited about that.
2: They could do it like a subscription service, even where you could. They yep. could just have a huge database full of every soundtrack, and you pay a certain amount, and you can download so so much information a month or something. That would be like dream come true. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, I kind and of I think- almost envision something like uh, you know, like your music store becoming something more like almost like a kiosk that you would go to. And be able to create like something on demand, you know. Yes. And, and that that almost seems like that. That's what this Hulk score almost sounds like. It is, you know, the press on demand. I, I think that that's definitely the way to go. But beyond just the press for demand, I, I just the simple fact of they're releasing this score exactly the way I said in that episode that I wanted to see. I want to see everything. You know, don't give me some pissant album. That's got two token score tracks, and then the rest of it is like some stupid rock song inspired by the movie or something. I mean, I want the, or the score you hear on the radio want, in
2: the background for two seconds. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. But like, you know, there's so many scores <laughs> like that. Like the original Ghostbusters score was like that. Fright oh, I hate Batman, the inspired
1: like, by stuff. But that yeah. doesn't make sense. Inspired so, means it wasn't even in the
0: movie. Those 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 albums suck. And this is what I want. I want something where it's every you know, every musical cue in the movie, you know? Well, and the, and there's, those, there's no reason why they can't do that.
2: Those releases are aimed at Joe Consumer. Those are right. aimed at Mass... You know, those those people want to get it because they want the P. Diddy remix of Godzilla. Right. Or whatever, you know, that's going to be on it. So...
0: I, I mean, Ghostbusters is, trying- is
2: a top ten selling album.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I understand that. But, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't put out... I mean, a lot of scores in recent years have actually had at least two releases. They'll have, you know, like the Spider-Man ones sure. are a uh, example where there was the Spider-Man album that was all like the shitty rock music, and then there was the Danny Elfman score. That that's a good way to do it too. But these these ones that were only got one album and they were the hybrid, you know, right. they suck. I hate those albums, and I'm 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 hoping, I'm hoping honestly that we've seen the last of them. But even if we haven't. You know th- this I, this thing here with giving the complete score, man. I'm just I, I love that. I, I love it, and I love it in the format that they're doing it because I can't help but believe that downloading has had an influence on oh, this. Sure. I honestly believe that that's that's where this is coming from.
2: There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. The downloading of it has just proven that there's an audience for it. the mm-hmm. the, the fact that there's people who are are looking for it and going to get it. And,
0: And, you know, I'm nothing if not a man of my word. I said if they would put this shit out that I would buy it. I intend to buy this album. I am so thrilled they put it out like this that I I do fully intend to get out there and get this out and pay for this album because this is how I want this media.
2: I think that's how most everybody is. And I think... I think what what a lot of the problem has come from is that these these companies have sold their their consumers short by thinking oh like these people are going to drop us because of downloading, but instead you know and, and they probably were thinking at first well we got to stop downloading because even if we pro- provide this product at a fee they're still going to get go and get it for free, right. but it's i don't think that's necessarily true i think that's a little you know well you'll always
0: have your assholes that will yeah but but, but most well, i don't most people I don't
2: most people want it when you get a bootleg you got to take the time to download it you don't know what the quality is going to be when you get the product like that you get the little booklet with it the cover art it's just you know people like that better or mm-hmm. e- even to the point of beyond that, where it's become less of a physical pro- product than a download. Most most people I know will, will would rather go to iTunes and do it because a lot, you know, a lot of people are like interested, genuinely interested in the person who made that music getting paid, and they, you know, they, you know, music is something that people really appreciate, <laughs> you know. People, music is a very integral part of defining part of people's lives, you know. You watch any teenager, if you've ever worked anywhere where teenagers worked and seen how important it is for them to have their music. there remember when you were a teenager and how important it was to hear your music and, you know, to, to listen to it, to have access to it
0: and to inflict it on other people and
2: to inflict it on other people to see what their reaction was or try to convert them or whatever you know it's just very some people it doesn't but for most people it just is a very important part of their psyche and they appreciate it when they like it and will pay for it or show their happiness in having
1: it
0: Well, on that very subject of music and the impact it's had in our lives and and our favorite music, our main show topic for this episode is our top five uh, favorite scores, uh, meaning um, movie music. You know, our, our top five favorite. And they're not necessarily our top five favorite movies, but these are our top five soundtracks to motion pictures. And so that's where we're going. Um, we've uh, agonized over our research and, and narrowed down our lists, and uh, I think we're, we're going to go good with this. So we're going to take a, a brief break, come right back, and uh, and dig into this subject.
2: All right. We'll be right back.
0: And there came a day, a day unlike any other, when Earth's mightiest heroes and heroines found themselves united against a common threat. On that day, the Avengers were born to fight the foes no single superhero could withstand. Through the years, their roster has prospered, changing many times, but their glory has never been denied. Heed the call, then, for now, the Avengers Assemble! The Avengers Assemble Podcast, available now at AvengersAssemblePodcast.libsyn.com.
2: All right, we're back. Scott's got his Smirnov on ice, <laughs> and uh, we're we're actually on to our actual topic, which is our five favorite or our top five soundtrack recordings. Which I don't know if 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 uh, we've actually mentioned that that was <laughs> the topic of this episode yet, but that's what it is. And here we go. And uh, we've got Mark Buttrick on us. On the show with us, who, whose collection probably dwarfs both Scott's and mine combined, absolutely, and then piled on top of each other till it reaches halfway to the moon. So it's—I'm really looking forward to seeing what his list is.
0: Don't forget Star Wars.
2: Uh, oh, I won't forget Star okay. Wars. I'm working. I'm working in there. I'm sorry, we, I thought you compiled our list.
1: Don't no, no. forget Star Wars.
2: Yeah, when 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 we first we're compiling our list, we started thinking that probably all of us were going to have Star Wars on our list, or at least one or two of the Star Wars movies, so instead of really just, like, disqualifying it so we weren't going to be going over it three times each, we would just sort of do a little, I wouldn't want to call it a disclaimer segment, but just a little segment at the beginning about how, and we'll sort of strike that from our list so we can get to some of the more non-Star Wars soundtracks that maybe some people haven't heard or uh might be more surprising pick because but you know I mean when I made my list my my top 2 were empire strikes back in star wars and that was still a shaky ground as to which one would be number 1 or would be number 2 but uh i i, yeah, I thought I mean, had a had a had
0: an excellent uh had an excellent take on the whole the whole star wars thing which was how did you put it, Mark, that, that basically these two should be on everybody's top five list to begin with? So we were kind of going to get them out of the way by talking about them so that they weren't actually tying up a spot on all three of our lists, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and I think the yeah, way what, we can't what Chris get away with... said was that, um, you know, we, we we're hoping to maybe, you know, Interest some people and show them some other things that are out there that may that may not necessarily think about. And everyone will think of Star Wars. I mean, you know, you can ask anyone that's not even a film music fan, and they can hum the Star Wars. Thing. I think there's just there's so much proof out there that Star Wars is probably the the number one soundtrack of all time, film score of all time. So we wanted to try and get a little bit deeper into film scores and and what our favorites are and our composers and things. So, you know, you've got the master and you've got the masterpiece. So and we can put that aside, all bowing to it, and get into some uh, maybe other stuff.
0: I don't know if it still is, but I know that for a long, long time, the Star Wars, the two-disc Star Wars... I'm, I'm talking the record, the LP, mm-hmm. was the yep. best-selling non-pop album of all time. I don't know if it still is. I mean, that was a long time ago, but well, that, I, that's a it, hell of an
1: achievement for, for a soundtrack, you know, for a score. It, um, If there's anything out there that's beaten it, it's um, Titanic, and um, I think it goes back to movies. You know, I, I always have the problem with people saying that, you know, um, Batman has made more money than any other movie you know well yeah it might have made more money but you know movies are 10 12 bucks a pop as opposed to 50 cents when gone with the wind came out or something like that
0: well yeah if you do that in adjusted dollars i bet you that snow white and the seven dwarfs
1: still kicks its ass i I would be surprised White it's only up there yeah but that's my point so you know i think star wars might have sold more units but titanic might have sold more money just because of the difference in price over the years right
0: um, and then
2: Star Wars has merchandise though yes Boom. yes <laughs>
0: crush i' I'm, I'm very curious you know I, I want to do kind of the round robin format on on Star Wars for everybody so so just real quick going around the room um, we'll start with mark um, thoughts on thoughts on Star Wars you know w- was that your first or you know what just you know just give us your general things on on the Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back uh, soundtracks.
1: Well, um as probably a lot of people know, um you know Star Wars was the beginning of the rebirth of film music. Um, we had got a type score and um and George Lucas and John Williams got together and re- really brought home the the orchestral score, symphonic score back to films and um and I think that that was just amazing. You know it goes back to the old, you know Psycho and uh, Gone with the Wind, and bringing those type of film music back, and we can thank Star Wars for that. Um, and uh, I remember seeing in the AFI tribute to George Lucas that he said the only thing that beat his expectations, that exceeded his expectations in the Star Wars movie, was the music. And I think that was just a great tribute. Um, I mean, you just can't say anything more. So the Star Wars films are great. Um, You know, Scott, you and I have talked for many years. Uh, I'm not necessarily a big fan of Empire Strikes Back, which, you know, sacrilegious everyone else is like their favorite Star Wars movie. But, you know, we wouldn't have any of those without Star Wars, and we wouldn't have um, all that music. You know, all those themes come from the first movie for the most part, uh, and then they just kind of expand on from there. So I guess my favorite would definitely be the first Star Wars movie, Episode Four.
0: Fair enough. Um, Now, also... I, I personally don't, but I'm curious about the two of you. Would would you also throw Jedi
1: into that mix with, with both Star Wars and Empire? Well, I personally throw all the Star Wars. I just say Star Wars is Star Wars, and that includes all six films. That's oh, just my be personally. I gotcha. Chris? I mean there's all oh, those sorry. themes. Just all those themes. You can take some incredible themes from episode one. You know, Darth Maul's theme, Duel of the Fates. You've got episode two, um, the love theme. Um, episode three, you've got the um, the Obi-Wan versus um, Darth Vader there. Um, just some yes. awesome themes in all of the movies.
0: Yeah, what was that called? It was something Battle
1: of the Heroes set? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's it, yeah. Chris?
2: Um on my I I didn't really have Jedi on my list as much because well the thing about Jedi is is back to what you were saying in the first segment it was it came out as a single album and it was just it just didn't have when when Star Wars came out you know that was the first first soundtrack album that I listened to but I was listening to other i was I, I I think I was listening to like the Muppet movie soundtrack at that at that point too because I was interested in movies, but this was the first one that I would listen to, and I would relive the movie listening to it and when Empire came out, that was when it really sort of blew my mind and to how you know the continuity between the two scores, the stuff that came back from Star Wars, and then you would hear you know when Yoda's theme started happening, you know, you you would hear new characters being introduced and stuff. And I just remember the Empire's soundtrack, be, listening to it was just mind-blowing to me. And it, it was sort of a richer experience for me. So that's why it sort of sits on number one, as far as, like, which one I would want to listen to right now. But, um, yeah, um, like Mark said, all all six movies have... You know, John Williams worked really hard to have themes running through all of them and and the way the music... Every, everything is so tightly put together and well done and artistically done. I really think um, Star Wars would have been a great movie, but it wouldn't have been the, you know, life-changing, theater-changing movie that it was if it wasn't for the music. I think the music really any kind of rough edges that might have drawn away from it, like bad dialogue or a little rough special effect or something, got sort of glossed over by, uh, by the music because the music was just so wonderful and brought you into the whole feel and flow of the movie so much. It was such an integral part of the movie that you know i don't think star wars would have succeeded at, at at the level that it did if it wasn't for the music
0: ah uh, yeah ab- absolutely and you know there's a star there's a story in star wars legend that i believe is apocryphal but it's still interesting that lucas um actually wanted to go with classical um i believe it was holst the planets or something like that you know, like classical. You know, like sort of like how Two Thousand and One: yeah. A Space Odyssey was done, all with classical music. And right. I don't believe that story is actually true. But imagine Star Wars with like Hulse The Planets instead of John Williams' score. And and I just wonder. Yeah, I, I can't help but believe that it it wouldn't have had quite the impact because you know the music. Uh, you know, John. Uh, uh, george lucas has often called star wars a silent movie i mean in in what, yes. what he means by that he is... never would
2: have had that sunset scene with oh, yeah with laid over classical music although the the mars music would have been perfect for darth vader in in uh empire
1: mm-hmm. you're right you're right, and it's funny well, you, you mentioned know, John Williams was asked to do, um, you know, because when they wrote Holt wrote the Planets, Pluto hadn't been discovered, although now it's not really a planet anymore. But you know, John oh, Williams right. was actually asked <laughs> to write the um, the Pluto portion and complete Hulse the Planets, but oh wow, he, he turned it down. Huh, I'd never heard. That's neat. That's that's very cool. I'd never
0: heard that before. Well, I think it's very apt that you mentioned the. Uh the binary sunset sequence, you know, I to me, I'll always call that track "The Princess Appears" because that's what it was called on the original two LP score. They've sent you know, now that it's out in this special edition, it's called something completely different. I think it's called "Binary Sunset." Binary Sunset. But uh, no, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll always think of that track as "The Princess Appears," and that it's very apt because that that's probably my favorite piece of Star. It just all in one track it just seems to sum up for me what star wars was about was about you know the the wistful ed, you know dreamings and adventures of of a young boy who you know becomes this knight you know and yep. that was really you know if there's one piece of music from those you know from those albums that that to me encapsulates star wars that that's that piece of music is that binary well, sequence that's that sequence it's just beautiful it's just a beautiful piece of music. because
2: that's the point that is like just about the exact point where he crosses into his hero's journey you know mm-hmm. that's where he just gets where it just start, you know where his normal life is ended after because right after that's when r2 runs away Yep. Yeah. And that's when he's off to meet Ben Kenobi And once that happens, that's it Then the you know, the rest of it's thrown into play So that's, you know That's the spot where he crosses Into adulthood
0: I have a real Dude Soft, <laughs> uh, what's the matter?
2: I, know, I was just saying, that's like That's like, I feel like I just made some sort of Like, deep statement <laughs> <laughs> Dude Well,
0: I, uh Whoa! But while I'll, uh, you blew my mind. You know, while you know, I, I do I blew have my to own say mind. That, man. <laughs> while I do have to say, the Empire, you know, it is my favorite Star Wars movie, and it is my favorite um, score of all the Star Wars movies. Star Wars, the original Star Wars, will always be, you know, that that sentimental favorite because, um. It's where I really discovered, you know, although there were movies that I liked beforehand and I liked the music that went to them, um, most notably probably Logan's Run, because I actually recorded that off tele. you know, like with an audio recorder, to, you know, an old cassette recorder. Sure, and you used I used to, do to that Logan too. Run, you know, over and over again, and, you know, the music really carries that movie as well, but Star Wars was really the first one, and... You know, it, it all comes out of that, you know, we had talked about this before in one of our Star Wars episodes, how as kids and being Star Wars fans, you just absolutely tried to, you know, uh, osmosize everything Star Wars. You know, you, you, you had a craving for Star you know, we, we collected the figures and the cards and the comics and anything Star Wars we could get our hands on. It's like you just wanted to, like, absorb it, and... The score was one of those things because I, I actually have you to blame for this hobby, Chris, because you in some trade that uh, we did in fourth grade, it was like a trade for figures or cards or something. You yes. had a cassette recording you'd made from the two album set. And I got the I got this cassette and I I, I literally listened to that cassette so much that I wore out the tape. And was heartbroken when that tape broke. I mean, I was, like, crushed. So, like, for the very next, whatever it was, it was either the next Christmas or my next birthday, my parents bought me the the two LP soundtrack. I, I still have it today, the one that they bought. I have another edition that's not even been opened, but I have that, and I listen to it and listen to it. I mean, it's it's scratched to hell, but... I, I mean yeah. you talk about loved that thing was well loved and well played and uh but yeah I I you know uh, all all the you know all the money I've ever spent and all the hard drives I've bought to hold all my soundtrack stuff uh that uh-huh. I totally blame that on you
2: Uh-huh okay that's fine I remember that now I did not remember that till you just started. I remember the t- I can see that tape in my hand now i remember making it and before you got it i'd probably listen to it like a hundred times too you know just on constant rotation so i think it's time to i'm 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 chomping at the bit to find out all right what the rest of our what the the less predictable parts of our lists are so i think we should uh we should force our guest to go first prod him out uh, of the stage,
1: sure cool all right yeah whenever you're so ready All right. Okay, so um, I guess – here we go. Drum roll, please. Um, I guess I should first say that when I came up with my list, which as anyone that's really passionate about any subject, it's almost impossible to narrow down a list to something like top five. Um, But I delved into it, and um, I based mine on um, how the music fit the movie written for a movie. It's not written to be listened to on its own. It's not written to be performed in a concert hall. It's written to enhance and take the movie to the next level. So that was my first kind of criteria is how did the music fit the movie? Did the music take the movie to another level? And then um, the second thing that I kind of wanted to do is I wanted to really kind of spotlight different composers. So for me, I made it a goal that I could only pick one soundtrack from each composer uh, of the top five. So they're all going to be by a different composer. Um, so my number five is actually um, a movie by Kenneth Brenna called Much Ado About Nothing. And it is written by um, an incredible composer. He's probably my second favorite composer, and his name is Patrick Doyle. Um, and he started on the scene with Henry V back in, like, 89. So he's kind of relatively new to film scoring. Um, when you talk about greats like Jerry Goldsmith, James Warner, um, John Williams, that kind of thing. Um, but it's a Shakespeare movie, but it's a comedy, very lighthearted, very funny. Um, and it takes place in Italy. And it just has this great setting for some great music and and, um, Patrick Doyle, who used to be an actor, uh, and he was with the Royal Shakespeare Company with Kenneth Brenna, um, was asked to do the music for Henry V, which was Kenneth Brenna's first movie. And um, it worked out so well um, that he has turned his life all to composing now and doesn't act anymore. But you'll see him guest star in different movies throughout Kenneth Brennan's career. And he's actually in Much Ado About Nothing. He's the role of Balthazar, which is the singer in the movie. And uh, his score um, is great. It starts off with an overture. um, And you take that same piece of music and you slow it down. And it becomes kind of a love theme and... um, uh, a burial march and it's just just incredible and it's breathtaking and it takes that movie to a whole new level and i i have it on dvd i have it on cd and uh, i just can't get enough of that soundtrack so that is my number five
0: excellent
2: wow i like your, i like your way of picking it too because it's completely different from mine too so Me too. it's awesome this is going to be a really interesting show Who's, uh... so i think you're next oh, okay scott
0: um, that's a very good one, Mark. you know, I, 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 honestly, I don't think I've, uh, heard that or seen the movie. So I'd be very curious to check that out. Um, now I- I'll give you a, just a quick rundown on my criteria. And it's, it's funny. Um, one of them is really funny. Um, but basically my criteria were this, um, the, the albums that I picked basically had to be all great uh, tracks what I mean by that is there's a lot of soundtracks I really really like Um, I'll throw one out there Close Encounters of the Third Kind love that score however whenever I listen to that album there are two tracks that I leave off my mp3 player because frankly they're annoying and so my criteria for this was I have to love the entire score I, I, I have to be able to listen to the entire album and not skip tracks. You know, there can't be any annoying tracks. So with that criteria, unfortunately, there were a number of my favorites that I had to eliminate in this. So um, that goes into the listenability factor and also a re-listenability factor. You know, I have to be able to basically this is my desert island list. You know, if I suddenly found myself on Gilligan's Island tomorrow for the rest of my life, what are the five scores I, I would take with me? Um Also, and this is where Mark and I are actually coming from completely opposite ends. Um, While I agree with what Mark said that, you know, the, the music has to serve the movie. That is its purpose. That is what it's written for. I approach this more from the album versus the movie, meaning I have to be able to listen to this on its own. And sadly, there are a lot, I mean, a lot of great movie scores that when I watch the movie, I love them, but then you sit and you listen to the album as its own entity, away from the movie, and they kind of suck, or they just don't quite. They're just not what I would call easy listening. You know, they're not something I just can put on, and get worked up about. But they in the movie they work excellently, and um, I wish I could think of a. Can you think of a good example off the top of your head, Mark? Because I know I, I, I should be able. Wasn't to... it, wasn't Nightbreed one of the ones for you that did that? No, you actually, loved it no, one... no actually that one's completely opposite I loved that album and had never seen the movie and when I finally got around to seeing the movie I thought the movie absolutely sucked but I still uh. like the, al- still like the <laughs> album I wish I could think of one because I, I don't if I think of one later I'll, I'll throw it in there but I'm, sadly at the moment I can't think of one Um, and uh, and also you know Chris had a statement at the beginning about um, Jedi as a single record Um. Yeah, I mean if if that was still the only way Jedi existed, then you know, that's another one, True. you know, that that when Jedi came out um it was it, you know, Star Wars was a double album, Empire was a double album, and then Jedi comes out and was really for a John Williams Star Wars soundtrack. was kind like, of a cheapo. Oh, it was sad. It was really sad and it it really wasn't a very good uh album at all. Um No
2: Gatefold.
0: Yeah. It just wasn't a very good stand-alone album. So what I meant by the album versus the movie was um, there are a lot of great scores, but then you look at the album that's released for that score, and a lot of albums are, are, are just piss poor. A lot of them... And this tide is turning, but a lot of them used to be where you would get the soundtrack, and there might be one or two score tracks, but then the rest of the album was you know some cheesy rock you know like uh the my the one that drove me nuts as a kid was Fright Night. I love that movie. It's a beautiful score by Brad Fidel, but the album that was released, the commercial album, sucks. It's like tons and tons of crappy rock music and I think there's only one actual score track on that album. And it was just pitiful. I mean but thankfully that that seems to have churned. Also and I, I did I probably didn't do this as much as Mark did, but I really tried to pick different people. You know, I, I could have gone straight John Williams or maybe even straight Jerry Goldsmith, but I tried to mix it up a little bit, but also also stay true to my own list. Um lastly, and this was a major factor for me, was sentimentality. You know, the the soundtracks that, you know, despite having heard them for twenty or thirty years. I still love them and they still take me right back to either being a child or when I saw them at the theater or when I saw them at the drive-in or the person I was with or, you know, just whatever, you know, just, you know, you guys know what sentimentality is. So anyway, sorry that took so long. My number five, and I think this one is going to come as kind of a shock to Mark. It was actually somewhat of a shock to myself was The Right Stuff by Bill Conti. And, uh, Great score. Yes, it is a beautiful score, but it, it surprised me because I think this is the only Conti score. <clears throat> excuse me, the only Conti score I actually even own. He is definitely not one of my favorite composers. He's he's not even somebody that um, I'm all that aware of. I mean, I know he's done lots of f- film score stuff, but I don't know that I even know him that well.
2: I used to have the Rocky soundtrack when I was a kid.
1: Did he do
0: that one?
2: Yep. I think he wrote the Rocky theme.
1: Well, of course, Karate Kid was huge for Bill Conti. And, of course, Rocky. I mean, you know you, you know, Rocky. Mm-hmm. That's Bill Conti. Yeah. But my favorite Bill Conti score is actually Rookie of the Year. That's one of my all-time favorites by him. Um, but it, it does surprise me to answer, to answer your question um, because, yeah, I wouldn't think you would be bringing a Bill Conti score in. Um, but, yeah, wow. I mean, I know you liked it, and um, you were the one that pointed out to me that it's in the uh, Soren Q line.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. That yeah, anybody that's ever rode uh, the Soarin' attraction at Epcot, and I believe it's also part of this the the Q score at I think the, it is the California Adventure one. Um, yeah, that the the right stuff is used in there. Um, also, I want to say, um, and I've got notes for my other picks as well. That I'm going to tell you the the version that I think is best of these particular scores, and the one to get for this. The one that I have is just simply called the right stuff bootleg because the one the commercial one that 's out there is actually shared it 's the right stuff, and I believe north and south is that mm-hmm. sound yeah yeah it's it 's connected together it 's short i mean there 's only like five, five tracks I think, but the bootleg is longer it has several more tracks than what is on the uh, the commercially available score um i just I really like the score, yes, because I love the movie, but also. It, it just speaks to my it, 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 it hits my patriotic bone. I, I listen to this and I just want to go freaking be an astronaut, you know? It's just the the music just speaks to me on that level. You know, it's just it's just it gets my blood going, you know what I mean? And that that to me is a great soundtrack is when it when it just really works you up. And this one definitely just fires me up and uh, and I, I I just love it. I it's hard to describe what I I like so much, but uh especially the uh the part of the um score um that covers like uh like John Glenn's flight and and stuff like that. Um the Ye- there's one called Jaeger's Triumph, which is just great. It's toward the end of the movie where where Jaeger is just basically trying to prove that he's still got it. And uh it's just
1: beautiful score. I, I highly recommend it. Well if I remember correctly, I think this is the one movie that he won his Academy Award for, was for the right stuff. I do believe so. Though. Chris?
2: Right. So, well, my uh, just to preface my picks, I sort of picked more on the desert island and um, not necessarily for how they went along with the movie, but a lot of times, a lot of my soundtracks I think did make the movie, including my number five one. But I sort of picked the desert islander, the ones that I listen, listen to the most or have listened to the most or would you know, would be most likely to put on and listen to at any given time and would be happy hearing it. And uh my number five is probably it might be it might be my weirdest one on my list. And it was the one that I was talking about that uh I don't have a copy of that I'd if either of you have a copy of it. Is uh, Forbidden Planet oh, by wow. uh Lewis and Bebe Barron. And hmm. it's almost more of like uh, uh, exer- early exercise and tape loops. I mean, they were pioneers in electronic sounds and electronic music. If, if you you know, as is as, as much as you want to consider it music, which I I personally do. I think it made the movie it set, but it's more of a almost tonal exper. Uh, electronic bleeps and blips with lots of reverbs and you could tell sometimes they slowed the tape down i think they were at the time they were one of like two people i think the other person um being um oh i want to say carl stalling but it's not carl stalling he wrote um
0: yeah um you got me man I, I I'll think of it later but yeah I can't I yeah I know who you're talking about. The, power,
2: the powerhouse theme yes is what that's called and uh, and he he and and this this couple the the barons had the only two tape recording studios in town so they were in high demand so they were like you know they put this they they just made all these uh, you know they would make these circuits to make the sounds of of uh, these electronic bleeps and blips and they would be overloading the circuits completely to get the sound they wanted so they would he, the the husband was building the circuits and the wife was destroying them and recording them at the same time and he was building more circuits because they had to overload them to get the sound that they wanted and then they would put reverb on them and they had to physically cut the tape up and loop it around and slow it down and speed it up and uh, I remember seeing this movie when I was a little kid, and uh, the music, while, you know, if it had, if it was just a, if it was put into somebody else's hands, it might, you know, the soundtrack might have been cheesy, but it sort of gave it, it, that whole movie has a sort of timeless feel to it, except for maybe the hairstyles and the costumes. (laughs) I still watch that movie and get completely... Sucked into it, and the the soundtrack is very much responsible for that. It makes a lot of things that would have been really cheesy seem a lot cooler, and it was very, it still is very alien sounding, and uh, and and just bizarre. Lots of echoey, chalky sort of sounds, and uh, I remember. Um, Back in my days of when I was a PC guy and I had Soul Seek, that was one of the uh, soundtracks I'd been seeking out. And I finally got it on Soul Seek and would listen to it all. That I just love it. And uh,
0: Now, Forbidden Planets, the, my, the, the, Nes- the Leslie Niel- Nielsen film that kind of inspired Star Trek, right?
2: It had Robbie the Robot was in it. Yeah. It was where Robbie the Robot first showed up. And the Krell, techni- the, he was on the planet of the Krell it also had the great creature from the id which i think disney had some hand in the animation of that
0: i think I... I think
2: disney had some hand in the in all the special effects in this and uh it was and it was also had the distinction of being like i think it was was it MGM, whatever studio made it, it was one of the first, really, where they put a lot of money into the budget and a lot of time and effort into it, and, you know, they hired these experimental um, musicians to, to make the music, and they really put a lot of work into it, and it paid off, I mean, the special effects still stand up to this day, they still completely draw you into the reality of it even if some of it's a little cartoony it's a great movie I was watching chunks of it there's all sorts of chunks of it on YouTube and I was watching it today and brought me right back to when I was a little kid and they would play it on uh, one of our local TV stations like at 1130 at night and I'd have to sneak up and watch it and I just remember the first time I saw it just freaking out so that's my number 5 cool so uh Let's take a break, and we'll start whipping through the rest of uh, what we got here. Cool. Hi, folks. I'm Chris Honeywell from 2 Freaks. If you're like me, you love those classic soundtrack themes, but you feel that they're missing something. Well, I've figured out what that something is. Words! Yes, I'm practically tone-deaf, but it hasn't stopped me from using rudimentary lyrical techniques to bring you this amazing collection called... Honeywell, Honeywell sings the shit, the shit out of, of classic, classic movie movies. themes.
0: Volume 1!
2: Yes, you'll hear me croon all your sensitive celluloid favorites, like... Oh, Princess Leo did not you know? And hey, what about this romantic gem? I cut the head off of a horse and I put it in your bed. It's just a warning about the next time I will make you dead. You kiss my ring, I do my thing. It's just my job here in the mob, I am a slob. Whoa, but just cause I have a sensitive side, doesn't mean I can't wax majestic! Finding idols, digging bones, women call him Indiana Jones. He hates Nazis, he hates snakes. Ironically always runs into Yes, not only will my singing soothe and inspire you But sometimes it will also Scare the shit out of you Shark is coming, shark is coming, shark is coming Shark is coming, shark is coming, shark is coming Shark is coming, shark is coming It's a shark 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 About 20 feet long minutes, it Shark Shark Shark, shark I'm so confident that you will treasure this collection That if you're not 100% satisfied I will kill myself Honeywell Sings the Shit Out of Classic Music Themes Volume 1 is available on Demanzaphone Records Alright, we're back We got our number fives And I think we'll try to work through our fours and threes In, uh in this segment, record time. And, uh, we're, yeah, we're we're back. Uh, we're back to mark. We'll we'll do a round robin of the fours now.
1: Well, I'm curious to see what the feedback's going to be on this show because um, I have to tell you, if it was me listening to to someone else's show and th- these are the first three I hear about the best soundtracks of all time, I'd be like, <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> well, they are on the bottom of our list. Well, sort let of. Let me just
1: tell your listeners that um, it's not as easy as it looks. Put your list together, and keeping out, you know. All our criteria and see what you come up with. <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> organized over this all weekend. I really did. So I would tell you my number four is a little bit, little bit more mainstream, definitely a, a wider known composer um, to a great film. Another film that the music, this movie would not have made it at all if it wasn't for the music, and that is Ennio Morricone's score for The Mission. Um, I hope you guys have heard it. I don't know if you've heard it or not. But um, I haven't
2: heard that one. I like him, though. He's, like, one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, I do, too. I like his, uh, I forget which film it's from, but his Man with a the Harmonica theme is just haunting to me. I really like that, but I'm not sure what film that's from. Is it Once
1: Upon a Time in the West, maybe? I'm not Poss- sure.
0: Possibly. Probably.
1: Um, but anyway, and he is a great composer, and to put my little shine, a little moment, I actually got a chance to see him in Italy In um, in Verona, it was this uh, outdoor amphitheater built in 50 BC, and there was a uh, and this was only a couple years ago, and he conducted the um, La Scala opera house choir and orchestra, and uh, they did they did all those themes from the spaghetti westerns, but um, he he did the mission, (sighs) yeah, and it was outside under the stars, it was incredible. I got Uh, to meet
0: George Lucas, I got to meet John Williams, I got to (laughs) meet uh, yeah
1: Cooney.
2: Brag, like? brag, brag. I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy for you. I'm not.
1: Did George tell you that I said hi? <laughs> tell him I'm still waiting for my money. Oh, oh, okay. Um so anyway I digress, but um it was a great score and, and the point that I was getting to is that um they ran out of Encores. Um everyone kept clapping, they weren't gonna go home, and they literally ran out of Encores and he had done the mission earlier in the in the um Concert and uh, so we had to come back out, and they actually did the mission a second time, um, just to give the people what they wanted so it 's great, but it 's a great score choir um, full orchestra you 've got gabriel 's oboe you 've got on earth as it is in heaven are two huge pieces that have made it out of that movie um, so anyway that 's my number four
2: excellent, wow, I really liked the soundtrack that he did for uh, mission to Mars
1: yes, the very good that, score
2: that was um that was one where where um, it was sort of a standard soundtrack, and then when it hit this one part when they were almost at Mars, it turned into this huge pipe organ, mm-hmm. pipe organ chords just going crow, and that's when I really noticed. That's when I was like, I gotta see who did this music at the end of this, because it was so jar. It was weird, jarring, kind of organic, but still mechanical sounding. Like, how oh, it was great. It just had the whole machinations of the universe working. It was beautiful. But anyways... Is
0: that the Gary Sinise film? Yes. Okay, yeah, I have to watch that again. Yeah, Mission to Mars. Mars. Yeah, I, I saw it once and didn't think much of it, but I'll have to check that so out again just for the Brian soundtrack.
1: Brian De Palma directed it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've got the soundtrack, actually.
0: Okay, my number four...
1: Um, Actually,
0: from here on... Oh, My my scores are now probably fairly, if you know me or know my interests, they, they are very commercial and fairly predictable probably, but um, my my list would not com- be complete, my top five list would not be complete without at least something from this um, next composer. Um, my number four is Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan by James uh-huh. Horner. Um, this was a hell of a tough choice because I actually like the film and maybe even the score for Star Trek 3: The Search for Spock by James Horner a little bit better than this, but this one makes my list for two reasons in my criteria that Star Trek 3 didn't meet, which was um the album versus the movie argument which, you know, as I said before, I approach it from You know how does it work as an album, as opposed to how does it work in the movie? Star Trek Three works for me much better in that movie than Star Trek Two. I just like the score better in the film. Unfortunately, um, while neither album is is a great release, I mean they're they're both just one album, you know, one LP releases, one album releases, and that's such a shame because they're much longer than that. And more deserving of like the special edition treatment, but going strictly on the two albums that exist commercially, um, Star Trek II, every track is great. Um, there's nothing I find annoying. There's nothing that I feel you know could get cut. Whereas Star Trek III has at least one that comes immediately to mind that that is very annoying, and then it's got another one that's just kind of like. I could live without that one, you know, so I think that the album could have been better served for Star Trek three by having an alternate cue on there as opposed to what they actually went with. So, and then the other criteria, of course, is sentimentality. Um, once I got hooked on collecting scores, um, this was one of the very first ones right after star Wars that I got, it was like star Wars. And then Close Encounters, and then a couple others, and then definitely Star Trek Two was was one of my very early. So this album literally got just played to death on my record player. I, I just I love this score. It's a beautiful James Horner score, and and my list just wouldn't be complete without something from uh, from James Horner. And I, I this is probably my favorite thing he's ever done.
1: Yeah, James Horner is awesome, and I have to do a little admission here that he did not make my top five list. But he's worthy. He's awesome. He's got so much great music out there, um, so I'm glad that he's on your list. And that definitely is one of his great ones. Oh, and also I just want to mention real quick
0: um, for anybody that that really likes this score, um, likes James Horner, um, his uh, score to *Crawl*. It's kind That's of an obscure the- movie. It's it's really good. If you like this score, you'd probably really enjoy Crawl as well. It's it's somewhat similar and, and really neat and really interesting score.
1: Crawl's on my alternate list. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah. Love Crawl.
2: Chris? Wow. Okay. I'm next, and here I go. I'm going to scandalize again, I guess. <laughs> I didn't think it was... A, when I made my list, I didn't think it might be as scandalous. As, but number six is... Uh, Is a another science fiction movie. It was a one one record release, and that's uh, Flash Gordon.
0: Oh my my God!
2: My (laughs) Queen.
1: My Queen. I
2: knew it. I knew it. My Queen. I love it. Oh my God! I can listen to that album back to back, over and over. It's cheesy, but the movie was cheesy, and they worked together so well. And I think Brian May was born. I mean, I, I I'm a fan of Queen. I like all their music. Their rock I like music, their music too. But, but I think Brian May was born oh, I didn't know to he play would. that cheesy soundtrack guitar. You know, that's almost um, Stevie Vai or um, what's that other surfing with the alien guy. Uh, you know, oh, he's yeah. he has a very Joe fluid. Joe Satriani. Joe Satriani, and uh, but you know he really liked sort of. I mean, I think he based he did a soundtrack for a movie a Japanese movie that was like a sought after by like all the rock guitar fiends that I knew back like in the early nineties and it was basically the Japanese version of the power Rangers, so it was that really just cheesy music, but he did this whole album and it was great because it's all this great guitar theatrics and uh and I think that sort of got, he applied that to the Flash Gordon music. I mean, that's pr- it's pretty much, that's pretty much the band queen and, you know, anything orchestral is just like synthesizer stuff. And the soundtrack has, is, an, is another one of those soundtracks that a lot of times I don't like this, but it works perfectly in here where it has dialogue and sound effects from the movie. Mm-hmm. all through it, scattered all the way through it. You you're, know, it starts right. I out I with... I hate
0: those kind of albums, usually. For the uh, most
2: part, it drives me nuts, but in this, it works perfectly, because <laughs> it's all just so cheesy and fun. Because I know and, the uh, commercial
0: release of uh, Apollo 13 by James Horner drove Mark and I nuts, because uh, through every... You know, all of the rock music on there is unmolested, but any of the score tracks on there have the friggin' Dialogue and
1: sound effects on them, and it's right.
2: Yeah, so that the normal people won't get bored by the yeah, yeah. And if
1: you get the um, there's another version of the Apollo 13 score there without dialogue, and it's like hundreds of dollars.
0: Well, anybody that that wants it, just buy the DVD because it has the isolated score on. Does it cool? Yeah, the entire thing too. It's it's awesome. Well, I would just like to say that um, I better get a handwritten snail mail (laughs) from Joe Satriani for the shout-out because it's one in the morning. I'm half in the bag, and I pulled his name out of my ass. (laughs) I don't know how that happened, but um, I just wanted to, to say that. But Yeah, it's funny. Man, Flash Gordon. And not, I'm I'm not putting it down. It's a, it's a great score, but wow, you really you sh- you surprised me on that. You really did. And it's funny because uh, I watched that with my children for their first time, not too many months ago, and immediately, they asked me to burn them a copy of this of the soundtrack. They wanted it, and and it, it made me nervous because I never want to have to question in the sexuality of my children so it made me a little nervous to burn them a clean album but uh but yeah it is it's yeah. it is great. no I'm kidding it, it was a great soundtrack it really was and, and, the and Brian, since you mentioned <laughs> I'm sorry I was just gonna ask the Brian May that you mentioned now is this the Brian May that did He's the a guitar vocal? player for no oh okay different guy okay
1: Different yeah, that's what Brian I was going to mention. I said we should probably n- tell you know, like your viewers that there's two Brian May's. The Brian May of Queen is not the actual film composer Brian May, who did like what? Didn't he do like the first Mad Max or something like that? I don't know. Yes. If he did the,
0: I know he did the Road Warrior. I don't know if he did he do the first yeah. one.
1: I He's think an he Australian did the first film Mad composer. Max too.
0: Yeah, that's a great score too. By the way, is uh, the Road it's yeah. different? Yeah, different very, Brian I forgot May. Forgot all about that. Okay.
1: Where are we at? Alright,
2: so we're we're back around to Mark for at number three. We're at number, number, number,
1: three. number three now. Uh, um all right, well you know you James Horner unfortunately didn't make my top five list, even though he he is great and, and worthy, but this guy you cannot have off your list. Um and that's Jerry Goldsmith. Amen, brother. And uh, and again, there's a plethora of Jerry Goldsmith scores that are worthy um and Star Trek being you know up there, but for me personally, one of the best scores that I fell in love with, and a score that really improved the movie, took the movie to another level. Is a great score to listen to on its own. Don't say also it. Also brought Drake. Don't,
0: don't, don't say it. it. No. I, I, also. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Also brought him his one and only Academy Award win, which was not right. He should have deserved 20 more Academy Awards, but that is for the original Omen movie. Um, his awesome. music in that is awesome, and uh, and definitely worthy of an Academy Award. And um, I, I just, you know, they even remade the movie, and um, the movie didn't make any sense to me, the remake, because it's exactly shot for shot, the original movie. But yep. um, they even, you know, Jerry Goldsmith's score kind of showed back up in there again, and that's just how great his music is, and the music from that movie was. So that's my number three, The Omen, Jerry Goldsmith. That,
2: that music has been freaking people out for, for years. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm looking I, it up right now in my collection because I, I,
0: I'm ashamed to admit it, I don't have this score, but I know that I have the th- main theme on a compilation album, and I'm, I'm scrambling to find it so I'm I can sure listen to it, refresh myself, because. Uh, I, I know I've seen them. The yeah, I just can't remember how the theme goes.
2: There's a yo- There's there's thousands bom, bom, of young goth bom, bom, couples.
1: Bom. Yep. Um, there's
2: thousands of young goth couples who have little kids named Damien. <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> That's right. This movie and this music.
0: Shout out to our goth listeners. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I actually know somebody. Okay, well Scott, we're up to your number three.
0: Okay. Um. Where am I at here? Okay, number three. Um, again, um, this one's very commercial. Uh, I cannot believe anybody listening to our show would not have ever heard this before. A true classic by by every definition of the word classic. And Chris, I, I, I fear that I'm I might be stealing something off of your list. Um, this, Maybe this would be Raiders of the Lost Ark by John Williams. No. Oh really? This oh, I thought nope. for sure this would make your list. Nope. Because I, you actually, I remember you as kids. You had this album before I did, and uh, and we listened to it. Just listened I love to it. it. Yeah, we wore it out. Um, now I want to preface this by saying I am speaking of the complete two disc version that more than likely is a bootleg. I don't know that for sure, but I think it is. Although there was a re release not long ago, a commercial re release. That was an expanded, extended version. I think... How many discs is that, Mark? Is that just one disc?
1: For Raiders? Yeah. It's, a, it's one disc, yeah.
0: But it is, I mean, it, it is, like, what is it, like 70, 80 minutes of music? I mean, it, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a very good release. It has most of the music in the movie. I mean, anything that's left off of it is, you know, very minor, you know, short moments of the movie. But, I mean, if you can possibly get your hands on the complete two-disc that's the one to own
1: Now, I'll tell you that – very funny you bring this up, and maybe Concord Records can give you some money for this plug, but I just read yesterday that Concord Records, which released the last movie, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, is releasing um, another expanded edition of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then they'll also be releasing expanded editions of Temple of Doom and Last Crusade as well. Oh,
0: God bless them. It's about time. There is a really, really nice – I don't know who did it. Somebody created it. I mean a fan – but somebody finally did put out an expanded Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom and it's it's really high quality. I mean it it's the DVD yeah,
1: score, right? Yeah.
0: But I mean it doesn't have any bleed over from like sound effects or dialogue. It's very, very well done. It doesn't sound like one of those rear channel things like you know, like back when I talked about Star Trek two as my number four I was speaking strictly of the commercial release because to my knowledge there's only one bootleg out there for it and it blows. It's it's totally got dialogue and sound effects and it, it really, really sucks. So, um but the the, the the bootlegs I'm talking about for Raiders and for um well actually there's bootlegs for two disc bootlegs for all three of the Indiana Jones films or you know, three of the original ones. Um but anyway, the one for Raiders um... would be the one i would pick out of the three you know classic indie films it just it's it's the one i just like the best and you know, it meets all my criteria there's there's no track that i don't like Um, it works as both you know of course it works beautifully in the movie but it also works great as just an album to listen to Um, high sentimentality and the sentimentality on this one that really works for me is not just for the original album But for the aspect of, I pined for this album as a complete version for so very long. This was one of those albums that I would listen to and love, but then I would watch the movie and there would be tracks in the movie, like the whole beginning sequence of the movie, you know, when Indy's going through the jungle and he snaps the gun out of the guy's hand and, you know, leading up to going into the temple, all of that music was not on the original release and i used to just pine for it i was like oh i love why isn't that music on an album and you know the part where the the monkey gets poisoned with you know with the with the poison dates the uh, where indy rocks the giant statue you and smashes through. you know none of that stuff is on the original release and like i said i would just i would just pine for, i was like oh my god please god one day release you know this music and to finally have it you know just it just pushes this album right up there you know it's one of my absolute favorites great great score and uh along the lines of binary sunset from star wars the well of the souls you know the, mm-hmm. the sequence of the movie where, where yeah. it takes the staff and and finds the location of the well if that music doesn't move you i mean you're just dead inside it's yeah beautiful <laughs> music you know
1: it's John Williams,
0: yes. Yeah,
2: I can hear it in my head right now.
0: You too, absolutely, absolutely. Chris?
2: All right, now my number three. Okay, I, I don't think I'm going to be that scandalous until <laughs> I get to my number one, so I'll give myself a little break this time. Um, my number three is Walter Carlos, Clockwork Orange.
0: I knew this was going to be on your list somewhere. Isn't that Wendy Carlos?
2: It is, it is now, but not <laughs> with this... If 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 it was Tron it would be Wendy Carlos. Oh okay. And that's when we started to figure that out when we were in high school when <laughs> started when you'd listen to Clockwork Orange and, and and Tron it was obviously the same composer yet there was something different there.
0: Remember when you and, got that yeah. album and I was like, "Oh, that must be her brother."
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Wendy. They sound okay.
2: so alike. But um yeah, I just, I just love, I, 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 love it. Even though it's really sort of just sort of a um, extension of Switched On Bach, it, the way it fit with the movie <laughs> and the way that, and 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 then and then of course it's got "I Want to Marry a Lighthouse Keeper" on it. So there you go. <laughs> Game set match. Uh-huh. I, I actually want... One of the bands I was in We played with another band Called Full Throttle Aristotle And as their encore They would play I Want to Marry a Lighthouse Keeper And I thought that was I think I was the only person In the whole room Who was like flipping out Going "Lighter up in the air Yes! (laughs) And uh, I just I just love it I love I love the way And it's another Electronic music score and You know A lot of times I don't like The sort of electronic stuff You know when they would make the cheesy electronic versions of the Star Wars soundtrack and stuff, there were all those um, knockoff, sort of copies of it. And stuff it always usually hey, hey, sounds hey, 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 hey. kind of cheesy. rules, buddy.
1: Moog rules. <laughs> is that where the, the Moog came from? Was uh, from that score, or really first utilized? From
2: this, it, it, yeah, probably very, very much. Is I remember my parents got an album that was one of the. It was uh, it had. Um, I can't re- It was Synisphere or... Synergy was the name of the band. And they did a... They actually had... It was kind of a hit. It was their version of... Um, classical Gas. Mm-hmm. All done on this Moog. And, you know, there was a picture on the back of the album of... Of the Moog that they put it together on. And it's this little keyboard. And then this whole room... <laughs> it's dedicated to the computer that ran this keyboard. And... It was cool, but it still, you know, it still sounds kind of cheesy, but, like, the Clockwork Orange music, it manages, it has a mood to it, you know, that he really worked, you know, he really put a lot of thought into, he at the time, Mm -hmm. put a lot of thought into, um, how the, how the, how the actual physical sound of the electronics could be used to work with the actual piece of music, where I think a lot of the other people who were doing that were just so in love with the technology, and they were either more on the technology side than the music, and he was right there on on onto both, sort of like a old school Thomas Dolby kind of person who's really or Todd Rundgren who's very musical, but he also is very technical, mm-hmm. but and uh, and it and, and it really worked really well for the movie and it's one of the things that keeps the movie from looking, besides Stanley Kubrick directing it, that keeps it from looking really dated or not working anymore becoming cheesy, you know, and it could have been the thing that made it cheesy, you know if it was handled incorrectly or not as well, but of course it was a Stanley Kubrick production so everything was was all worked out and figured out to its greatest degree and I think that's one of Stanley Kubrick's best movies. I think it's one of the movies where all the elements, all the elements of his directing style and the music and the acting and everything and the cinematography all came together into the perfect combination.: So yeah, but yeah, lis- I listen to that soundtrack all the time.
0: When I when I was I I don't know if we pointed this out at the beginning of the show and I really meant to and I apologize if I didn't. I meant to point out the fact that we don't know each other's list. We we went into this blind not knowing what, what were on the other person's list and I, I thought it would be more fun that way. But this one I, I was I was along with Raiders, I really was expecting to be on your list and I, I'm I'm glad I I wasn't wrong. But back when you uh when we did the uh at some point in an earlier episode you you dropped a mini bomb on me when you revealed that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was your favorite movie because I always thought this was your favorite movie. And at the time uh, I was struggling in that episode to remember this movie I couldn't remember the name of it and then when I was doing research for for this uh this episode it suddenly came into my mind and I was like, "Oh yeah, this was the movie I thought was his favorite movie. But I know I know it's one of your favorites." So I, I really am not surprised that this one. Yeah, made the list. I
2: love Stanley Kubrick.
0: He's not like if I was a filmmaker,
2: I would not be that kind of filmmaker. But man, I love the way it worked for him. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 even uh, a lot of people really hated uh, Eyes Wide Shut when that came out. And I saw that in the theater three times. Never seen it. All three hours of it, I sat in the theater with all my friends falling asleep next to me, just like <laughs> eating it up, eating it up. Every frame was so beautiful in that movie.
0: Does she get Everything. naked in that movie?
2: Uh, all kinds of people get naked in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it's, the the, the the nudity in it is, it's just, it's... Uh, I just, it's all the, it's this whole huge build-up just for a, a punchline at the end, and it's like a great statement by a great filmmaker, like just before he croaks, it was, it made me laugh out loud every time I saw the movie, I'd be the only one in the theater at the very end of it just going, oh, 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 oh. I love it, alright, <laughs> so on that note, let's take a break, okay, and we'll come back and do our number the the big the top 2 yeah what we've what we've all been waiting for i guess on paper Sweet. Right. we'll be right back i want to marry a lighthouse keeper and keep him company i want to marry a lighthouse keeper and live by the side of the sea I'll polish this lamp by the light of day So ships troops at night can find their way I want to marry a lighthouse keeper Won't that be okay? We'll take walks along the moonlit bay Maybe find a treasure too I'd love living in a lighthouse How about you? I dream of living in a lighthouse Baby, every single day I dream of living in a lighthouse So I want to... All right, we're back with our top 2, the number 2 and number 1, then we'll uh we'll start right off with Mark with with his big number 2.
1: Gross. <laughs> well, let me see if I can do this cuz you guys don't know what my number 2 is. It's I know I'm, so, I'm waiting um,
2: with bated breath.
1: <laughs> yes. So, my number 2 is um again, uh finally I get to my John Williams uh pig who is you know the best composer of all time, had numerous choices to pick from, um, of course, Star Wars being out of it. So um, for me, there's only one movie that I, I'm aware of that the director actually went into the movie and re-edited the film to fit around the music to make it work perfectly. Um, and that's just because he fell in love with the music so much. And uh, so for me, number two is E.T. the Extraterrestrial by John Williams. Um, an incredible film um, with incredible m- music and uh, and so there there's my number two.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah now um, I-, I love this one as well, and I think I c- kind of surprised Chris when we were we were talking before the show and ET came up as one that that he proposed we throw out like uh, like Star Wars and Empire as kind of a given. And actually, it, it didn't make my list, and which shocked me um, just as much as him, I guess. But uh, I do, I do really love this score. But it's funny because I actually seem to focus on a whole different aspect of the score than I think other people do. Which is, I like the darker aspects of of that score better. You know, all the stuff with the government men. You know, when when they get close to discovering Elliot's connection with with ET, and then of course. Um, probably my favorite track of the whole album, really, is is the scene where the government men are walking down the street, um, approaching the house, and it has a very like almost like an Empire a March. March. Yep. Yeah, or, 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 or very similar to like uh, like Boba Fett's theme. Somehow, it always reminds me of like like Boba Fett's theme or or, or um, the uh, Frank Langella Dracula movie that that Williams scored. Somehow, it just I don't know that that whole dark and foreboding. You know, everybody identifies John Williams, I think, with, you know, his lighter, like his his triumphant themes in Star Wars and Indiana Jones, but... Man, he's also excellent at dark stuff. You know, he really does do dark stuff very well. You know, Darth Vader's theme is you know one of those you know the scenes of the, so- the Imperial March. Yeah, you know the Imperial March and uh, yeah and or the end of but yeah his
2: uh, the end of Jedi and the Emperor's throne room with Luke and Vader and the Emperor yes. fighting and some of that's really creepy music.
0: That's right out yeah. of a horror movie. And the movie.
1: fury. Yeah. Yeah, the fury is good too.
0: Yeah, that's that's that the movie. parts I like best about ET. Rather than the you know than the uh, flying over the moon and all that, uh, I I like the dark bits of of ET. They they really stand out to me. But yeah, e- excellent pick. I, I couldn't agree more. Ella, you could. Agree. So what's your number two, yeah. Scott? Okay, my number two. That sounds so disgusting.
2: Let's get to your number um,
0: two. Ew. <laughs> okay. Um. As Mark said before, and and rightly so, no list is complete without Jerry Goldsmith. And I really, you know, I wanted to include him. I really agonized over my list, but ultimately, this is for me anyway a no-brainer. Um, may come as some something of a shock to people, but my absolute favorite, John, uh, or excuse me, Jerry Goldsmith, is Star Trek: The Motion Picture. And now before everybody out there goes, regardless of what you think of the movie, the score to Star Trek The Motion Picture is, it's just, it's beautiful. It's its haunting. its just, It really is just a great, great score. It's, to me, it's just definitive Jerry Goldsmith. And what's really neat to me in a lot of ways about Jerry Goldsmith is, you know, there's a lot of movies out there where the movie might not be all that hot, or it might outright suck, but they have an awesome score. And Jerry Goldsmith somehow seems to be like the king of like the sucky movies with a great score.
1: <laughs> yes, you
0: know? Like, you know, like there's Supergirl, you know, which is not a great movie.
1: There's Mr. Uh, Baseball, Mom yeah. and Dad Safety World.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, there's a ton of them. <laughs> there, there really are. There are a ton of Jerry Goldsmith movies. Well, there's even movies like. Uh, now I don't think it sucks, but it's no masterpiece. There's the Burbs. I yeah. love that movie, and I I think one of the major reasons I love that movie is the score. The score is absolutely to that movie, it's hilarious when, when you're watching the movie, and his little asides to like, Erikkone, uh, uh, and just just the different music he uses in that movie makes the movie funny. And I, I think without his score, it would be a completely different, probably a very flat movie. But uh, uh, I you know Star Trek the motion picture, it just works for me. You know, um, you know the theme eventually went on to basically define Star Trek. You know, it became eventually the theme for Star Trek: The Next Generation on television. Um, it was used in you know many of the other Star Trek movies. Um, very experimental, and you know I, that was one of the aspects that that. That was where I wanted to go with my choice for for Jerry Goldsmith, and I considered, you know, two other scores of his along with uh, the motion picture, which was Planet of the Apes, which was I don't think you get more experimental than that for for Jerry Goldsmith. Awesome score, I love it. It's very experimental, but ultimately I didn't go with that one, only because. And, and I know this isn't really a criticism of the of the score so much as a comment on the movie, but if you listen to the score, at least the album I have, it's all done in movie order. And the end of that movie, I mean, after um, Charlton Heston rides away on the horse, after a certain point in that movie, there is no more music. You know, there's the big reveal at the end and then the entire end credit sequence of that movie, all you hear is the waves lapping up on the shore. There is no music. So the album just kind of ends. And, and
1: Chris, can we point out that he's cheating? He's actually bringing in an, a sixth favorite score <laughs> sure. into this mix. <laughs>
0: oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm giving a reason why why I had to eliminate that one. And, and, sure, sure. And, but very uh, very sure, yeah. briefly, it's the, same, it's the same thing with my other one, which was Logan's Run, again, Love it.
1: Oh, seven.
0: Right up there as (laughs) it's right up there as a favorite Jerry Goldsmith, but it it failed because it has a couple of tracks that are just unlistenable to me. So, um, but anyway, um, and if you hunt this down, um, the one to get is the ultimate edition, which is a bootleg. If you're strictly a commercial kind of guy. Um, get the 20th Anniversary Collector's Edition. It's a two disc. It, I don't know, it, it has most of the major music in the movie. It's nowhere near complete. And I think that's the one where one of the discs is actually like all interviews and stuff. It's not my favorite, but it is the best commercial version available. But if you have the means to get the Ultimate Edition, that's the one to own. There's, a, there's an entire disc that is nothing but alternate cues um, not used in the film, and it, it, it's really some awesome, awesome Jerry Goldsmith.
2: Interesting.
1: Mark, no comments on uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture? Actually, I'm one of the people that you were talking about. I, um, I'm um, i not a huge fan of the movie, but love the music. Definitely vintage Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, I can't complain that being on your list. I think it's a great score um, and definitely one of Jerry Goldsmith's better.
0: Amen. Chris?
2: I like it, too. Although I probably wouldn't make my list as as much, but I like it. And my number two is since if you notice i didn't really pipe in too much about it because my number two is also e t the extraterrestrial
1: oh wow and they're both number two yep. how funny
2: yeah and uh wow I mean I think this is this is one of those uh, like you said he changed the editing of the movie to make it fit with the music better and you know it's been described as as an opera almost and I mean, I'm not a very sentimental person that gets... I don't get into sentimental movies that much. But the end of this movie can always get the waterworks going. And it's just the combination of the visual of the space, spaceship taking off. And I, I it's one of the most... It's very drawn out. It's almost as drawn out as Yoda's death. Not quite, but it is. It's a very draw everybody says goodbye to E. T. and hugs him and says their goodbye and everybody has their moment and the ship slowly takes off and flies away. But the, the way it progresses with the music, just layering it and layering it on, I cannot watch it without the waterworks going. It's like the ultimate and the best the best kind of manipulation you can get in your movie experience of you know, of, of manipulating an audience's emotions, which has been going on throughout the whole movie, but that's just the pinnacle of it at that at that point. And I love on the soundtrack the end credit music of the just the piano theme, and yes. I think that's John Williams mm-hmm. playing it too. So you get to actually it's it's just John Williams playing his composition, which is a neat thing to hear. And I just I, I I I love the way it sounds. I love the way that comes in over the end credits. It's perfect after you know the the orchestra peaking and crescendoing. Then you just have just a piano. It's awesome. And yeah, I could listen. to we... uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I mean, and 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 like you said, you know, I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark could be in here. Close encounters could be it here, but I think ET just like it 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 pushes it pushes the buttons so well, and it's so tied into the movie. You know, I mean, really listening to this is listening to the ET album is almost is is more akin to watching the movie than a lot of other soundtrack albums. You know, it, it really.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I don't get it. it. I thought it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it would never, it would never make my list.
2: You're too late. I'm gonna have to splice that in. I'll, I'll just switch our, uh, <laughs> I'll switch our reviews in this one. Yeah. Enter that back into context. It's lucky I'm not one of those people that has to fix everything back into context. Or I'd have to, uh, I would have to re-edit that. But now we're <laughs> into the, we're into the. Into the big one. Number one. And I hope I'm not going to cause too much trouble when we get there, but... we'll start. That's all you, all you do is cause trouble. We'll start we'll start. Well, I don't know. Once again with Mark, what's the big one?
1: All right, well, I'm going to try and pull Scott. Let's see, the movies that did not make my list are... <laughs> An American Tale, Braveheart, Dances with Wolves... Oh, I'm sorry, we're talking about number one. Okay. Um, well, you know, I... I got my finger on my- the drop button. So. <laughs> uh, I um, I thought a lot about this one. And, um, of course, this could change. Um, but I think maybe one of the reasons why I gave this my number one is because it was so hard to get for so long. Um, but it's worthy. It is. Um, it is one of those scores that has taken that film. It would not be the same film without the music. Um, In fact, I think the movie maybe only even lasts today because of the music from it. Um, But uh, This composer um, isn't necessarily one of the best well-known composers out there, but he's hit greatness a couple of times, Uh, this one being his ultimate greatness. And for me, um, I am talking about Bruce Broughton, and I am talking about the score for young Sherlock Holmes.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Wow. So um, it actually is one of those scores that never has uh, officially gotten a release. Well, I take that back. It was out on record and cassette, um, but never got a soundtrack release. And it was another one that was painfully needing an expanded edition. And um, thank God for the folks at Entrada Records who released a promo two-CD version of it. And I was one of the lucky people to get a copy before it became worth $500 on the Internet. Wow. Um, but it, um, it's a great score. It, if you watch it, it just, the music height, heightens that film. You've got the whole rummy tap, you know, kind of Carmina Burana feel, but you've got the, just the, the very British pastoral yes. feel. It's the Christmas time snow and, um, just, just a great, I've, I've been searching for this soundtrack forever. And it's—I'm just so happy that it's finally in my collection at last. And uh, it is one that I continually listen to, and uh, I had to make copies so that I, if it ever breaks, I have the original still to listen to. So that's my number one, Young Sherlock Holmes by Bruce Broughton.
2: I might actually watch that movie again. I really enjoyed that yeah. movie when it came out. I really liked it.
1: I did too. It had
2: a really good atmosphere I mean- to it—the the snow and the the Christmassy feel of it. It had a. It it reminded me of when I was a little kid, there used to be, I can't remember what it is, but it it used to be a serialized show on Disney with this kid who made inventions. And just the whole feel of the father who was was making his inventions. Anyway, I, I thought that movie really captured that whole British, whether it's, you know, reflected in reality, or not. that whole, you know pastoral British feel to it where you know with it was Sherlock Holmes more through a Spielberg filter and more of the sort of mad inventor kit you know he was a he was a crafty kid and this way. It, I, I I really liked it mm-hmm. it was sort of a little like uh, temple of doom you know it had a sort of that that pagan thuggy feel to it with the huh and it, but it also was wasn't it PG thirteen or they they there was I believe so because people were getting shot with psychedelic drugs and having weird hallucinations through it, which I yep. thought was a really yep. edgy sort of thing thing in a in a kids and age. I think it
1: had the first computer generated imagery, but the um stained the cat the, uh, the, the stained glass church for the stained glass went.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right.
2: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it had some great miniature work, too, with, like, all the pastries that come to life and are shoving themselves in Watson's mouth. Yes. Engorging it. Yeah. That was great. And that. I, I have to...
0: Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And
2: that had a real, All of it had a real... Ter- it had an authentic turn-of-the-century feel to it. You know, it wasn't... It, it, it wasn't. Uh, they didn't 80 it, you know, at all. There wasn't anything mm-hmm. cheesy and, and modern about it. They they fit it right into that time period, and that's that's great. You don't see that very often in in movie. Maybe close closer would be the Harry Potter movies of capturing that feel, but they still yeah. have some a few little modern elements in them, or you know, or the way the characters will act. But it's it's in that same sort of. That same sort of vein.
0: Yeah, see, my my little boys like the the Harry Potter movies and have been to see all of those. So not long ago, I rented Sherlock Holmes so we could, or young Sherlock Holmes rather, so we could watch it, thinking that they would like it for the same vibe. And they really enjoyed it, but I don't think it. It really like blew them away or anything, but I was I was surprised, you know, that I think it held up very well. I mean, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel as old as it is, yeah. and maybe it's just because it's a period movie. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoy that soundtrack. I, I'm one of the lucky few who actually had that. On, oh, I still have it on cassette somewhere, but I, you know, I actually bought it somewhere out of like a bargain bin or something. Wow. So I I was lucky enough to have that score, and. uh yeah, I, I won't say I'm. I'm not surprised. I mean, I am very surprised that that's your absolute number one, Mark. But I mean, yeah, it is. It's a great score, and man, I. You, I mean, you know me. I love me some Bruce uh, Bruce Broughton. Um, the fact that his score to uh, Ellen's Energy Adventure is still not commercially available just kills me because that that's one of my favorite pieces of his of all time. But
1: uh. well, there's um, there's actually uh, the theme from it is commercially available on one of the um. Music from the park CDs, but not the whole, you know, background music from the attraction.
0: Yeah, I wish I wish the whole score was available because that that's just awesome. And I realize that's not something that's huge enough that a lot of people would probably even know what I'm talking about. But Ellen's Energy Adventure is uh, is an attraction at uh, at Epcot, and uh, it's just I, I just lo- to me that's that's my favorite piece of Broughton. But yeah, I mean he's done so many. You know, really amazing. So I like Harry and the Hendersons is another good one, but uh yeah, Young Chuck Fly Silverado. Excellent. Oh yeah, yeah, Silverado. I forgot about that one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a great score.
2: So what's your number
0: one? There? All right, let's listen to Skipper. yours. Um. I I was sweating there for a minute because, uh, you know, he started to talk about, you know, how long he'd waited for this to be available and, you know, for there to be a full release. And I started to sweat because I felt the same way about my number one. It was one that I've loved since I was a kid, but the original release, you know, despite the fact that it was a two LP, uh, soundtrack, was never complete to me. It was never what I wanted in the soundtrack. It just didn't do it justice. Um, and then a, a couple of years ago, um, Rhino Records finally, uh, just out of the blue, just you know, put out this just beautiful, beautiful release that was everything I'd ever hoped for um, with this score. And it's uh, another John Williams. John Williams actually makes my list twice, and uh, and this really is even even with taking the Star Wars movies off the board, this is my absolute favorite soundtrack and probably my absolute favorite movie of all time. And it's uh, Superman the movie. Um, I I just love it, you know? And, you know, if if that Rhino one had never been done, or the recent... Who did that box set, Mark? Was that Film Score Monthly? Film Score Monthly.
1: Yeah. Four CD
0: set. Oh, yeah, that's gorgeous, too. I mean, if those versions had never been released, and all that was out there was just the the original version of this, I don't think it would have made my list, because it really is lacking. But after they did that Rhino release, I mean, you just couldn't ask for a better production. It's, it's perfect. It wasn't very expensive. It was two discs. It was every musical cue in the movie. They threw in some alternates. They even threw in some wacky stuff like the like the little um, Hawaiian music that's played in the part where... Yep, which he wrote. Yeah. Oh, did he really? Yeah, and, and you know, and then there's a book. I mean, there was like a, a nice book that came with it and liner notes, and I mean, just gorgeous. That's what I'm asking for in a soundtrack, and it was I know great. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, top notch. And I was there. I mean, release day when this soundtrack came out, raced home, popped it in the disc player, and was instantly transported back to to being a kid in the theater with my dad watching superman catch that helicopter man and that uh, above all, everything else above the production value of the of the release above everything else this one wins for me for that for that zing for that sentimentality and that 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 zing when my mind's eye can just picture the movie you know in the theater you know superman catching the copter superman you lived to you know, breathe fl- that
2: movie when you were a
0: kid too oh yes yes Abs- i mean this movie right along with star wars had such a huge impact on my life and, and my child you will believe a man can fly and i did and i and i do you know to this day i watched that movie and and you know i do i, I really do I, it was it was awesome and you know just as much as christopher reeve just as much as gene hackman john williams music you know is just as big a part in that in that movie as the actors as the story as the characters everything i mean without i i just can't imagine superman the movie scored by anybody else even jerry goldsmith i don't think it would have been the same experience
1: well it's funny because if you watch the commentary to superman the dvd Um, At the end of the movie, um, he's talking about um, that specific topic because they had just done The Omen, and he felt kind of like he had to go with Jerry Goldsmith because he had won his Academy Award for The Omen. And, of course, it's Richard Donner who did The Omen. Right. Hello? He originally had Jerry, but Jerry couldn't do it. So then he went to John Williams, and then John Williams was attached to the project, but then John couldn't do it. Um, and then so went back to Jerry, and then it got delayed again, and so he finally ended up with John Williams. So it's very funny, very closely could have been Jerry Goldsmith that had done Superman, um, so that would have been rather interesting. That would
0: have been interesting. It's, it's definitely one of those things I've, you know, you know, geeks love to speculate on the on the might have beens or the 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 what ifs, so to speak. Um, and that's actually something I, I had kind of a fantasy about years ago was. You know, granted, sadly, Jerry Goldsmith is no longer with us. But, you know, say these guys had the time to actually just kind of screw around. How cool would it be if you could you could take, say, John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith and and just take them and say, "Okay, John, we want you to score Star Trek, the motion picture um, just for fun. Jerry, we want you to score Star Wars just for fun. And you know, just just to get a kick out of it, you know, just to see what what could they have done the experiment with the would others. be compromise?
2: Because how could you? Those scores are so iconic that it would be so hard not to, you know, to to just do what you would would have done without in a vacuum. You know, they don't. That's
1: true. They, uh, but you can't do it on that detail. But um, there is a way to actually. Test that out, and that is if you get the DVD to the uh, um, collector's edition to Legend, because it has both versions of the movie. It has the original European version with Jerry Goldsmith score, and it's got the um, U.S. theatrical version with um, Tangerine Dream, Dream score. Right. Tangerine Dream. I like
2: Tangerine Dream. So Tandering you can Dream actually too.
1: see how two different people would. Yeah, you can actually see how two different people would uh, attack the same movie. And I think that's why I bought that DVD is because I wanted to see the difference. Of course, Jerry Goldsmith's score wins hands down for me, but, um, it was interesting.
0: I think that idea came up for me because it has become something of a, of a thing in recent years where there's been a lot of so-called rejected scores, you know, that, that have become, you know, quite the sought after collector's item type of thing where certain, certain, uh, uh, composers and I don't know exactly how do you know how exactly that works Mark is it is it really rejected or is it where they 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 wrote a pr- proposal that that wasn't accepted is that how it works
1: No it's um it's it's a rejected score but it doesn't necessarily mean that the composer did a bad job it just means like it, the movie could have changed hands and then the the composer's no longer available right. but um a lot of composers have had scores rejected. In fact, as far as I know, the only composer that has never had a score rejected is John Williams.
0: Wow, that speaks. And, volumes. and the sad
1: thing, yeah, the sad thing is Jerry Goldsmith's very last score was rejected, and that was for Timeline. But it wasn't anything to do with him. It was the fact that uh, he wrote a score for the movie, and then the movie completely changed direction. And um when it came back time to redo the the score, he had fallen ill and he couldn't do it, so it it changed hands to somebody else, but that um that's how his score got rejected. Well
0: getting back to uh just wrapping up my, my selection, one thing I, I had asked in our format and I forgot to solicit this from you, Mark, in your selection, so I mean if you've got an answer, uh we'll go back to young Sherlock Holmes. But uh along with our absolute number ones, um was also if we could name our favorite track from our favorite score, and for me, um, this was actually probably the easiest thing of all of my selections because not only, you know, not only was my number one for me a personal no-brainer, but my favorite track on that album is actually a no-brainer. It's the Fortress of Solitude theme, which uh, I think maybe the longest track. On that album, it runs something like nine minutes, I believe. And it's the sequence of the movie going, I mean, if if you know the movie very well, it's the sequence literally from when there's a fade out in the Kansas cornfield to where there's a shot of like a glacier. And then it's Clark walking through the Arctic Throwing the crystal. The, the the crystal grows into the fortress. He goes in. He meets jor for the first time. jor schools him on the universe. And then he becomes Superman for the first time. That entire sequence runs almost... It's nine or ten minutes. It's all scored. It's beautiful. And it is one of my absolute... Not just favorite film score pieces. But it's just one of my absolute p- favorite pieces of music of any kind. It's just beautiful. Just... I, I can't describe it any other way. It's it's just a beautiful piece
1: of music. Anybody? Um. Um, well, <laughs> I have to admit, Star- Superman was um, was on my list as well. And again, my criteria was I can only pick one John soundtrack Lace. from each composer. Oh, okay. So um, I had debated between Superman and ET. Believe it or not, that was Superman was my was my other choice for John Williams. Oh, wow. Um, Oh yeah, it almost made my list. It almost took over ET. Uh, in fact, I had Superman picked originally, and I'm like, I just can't. I mean, you know, there's no other movie that had the director re-edit the film for the music, so I I, I had to go with ET. Um, I'm really like,
0: glad to hear that, Mark. Only in the aspect of you know, as much as I know you love John Williams, I, I for some reason I always had the impression that you didn't hold Superman the movie in very high regard. I I don't know why that is. I just
1: I, I don't know. I just had that mistaken impression. So I'm I'm so glad to hear you say that. Well, look at the genius of John Williams. I mean, the theme, dun da 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 dun 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 dun, yeah. dun da 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 dun. Superman. Yeah. It's in the score, even.
0: Oh yeah, uh, Don- Richard Donner even comments on that in the in the commentary for the uh, the DVD. He even says that he all of his doubts were erased on the first viewing of the movie when in the opening credits, the word Superman comes up and the music literally says Superman. Yeah. You know, it mm-hmm. goes dun, da, da, da," Like you said, done, da da da,", da and Superman. And he was like, that's it. Perfect. Yeah. You know, he, he did the job and he's right. He's absolutely right.
1: So Chris, what do you think of Scott's choice?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm right up there with him. Um, I mean I used to remember sitting around with Scott listening to this the the soundtrack endlessly and um when they showed it on TV with all the extra footage and mm-hmm. he he tape recorded it we'd listen to the tape of it over and over again you know it's just <clears throat> it's one of those soundtracks that's that's burned into my into my memory banks Pretty much when when I went to see Superman Returns, that was my favorite part of the movie was the opening credits with the music yep. and just flying Amen, through brother. space. I was actually like choking up during it, going, "This is beautiful. This is just like you know." And I was in a nice loud theater, and it was just great. Mm-hmm. And that that was my and favorite I had heard that the Brian Singer.
1: I had heard that Brian Singer said he wouldn't make the movie if he couldn't put that music in yeah, it. Yes, I've
2: heard that too. It, it, yeah, it would have really sucked. <laughs> well yeah. yeah. That,
0: that, that was the deal breaker for him is that if they if they could not get Williams permission to use that that theme music, then he was not gonna do the project. And uh, uh, applause yeah. to him. Love or hate that movie. You're absolutely right. Really you know, cool. it, it wouldn't be it would not be a Superman movie without Williams' music. I, I totally agree. Me too.
1: Just like it wouldn't be a Bay, Harry Potter movie without his music. I, I I believe that too. Yep, Chris,
2: my number one. You guys sure?
1: Yeah, we're, uh, we're getting ready back to uh, the
2: And it's funny. I'm going to link Tangerine Dream to my number to my number one. Use it to segue into number one because one of my mm. albums that almost made it was actually the soundtrack to Risky Business.
1: Yeah. Which I used to listen oh, wait, to a lot I, And half I of that was I...
2: Half of that was Tangerine Dream And half of it was just like Rock songs That were in the, you know, including old time Rock and roll that he was dancing in his underwear To, but you know An old <laughs> Muddy water song But I struck it off my list because all the Tangerine Dream Songs weren't written for the movie They were You know, they were off another Tangerine Dream album And uh, I think It was called Exit and uh and you know there were eric clapton songs and stuff into it and i was really into it then cuz all those songs were very novel and they've become almost uh cliche now so that one got bumped off the list but my number 1 is actually sort of goes against a lot of uh, i had to really think about the my um thinking on it because it is made up of all every song is by a different individual artist and um <laughs> A few of them were written for, I think, probably like three or four were written for the movie, including an instrumental theme that just sort of comes up in the movie. But for the most part, most of the music in the movie was original, you know, from the first generation of punk rock from the West Coast. So... Have you guys guessed it yet? No. I thought, I, <laughs> thought, no, I, like, thought yeah. I knew. I thought I knew exactly what it was, but now you've you've lost me. It's the soundtrack to uh, Alex Cox's movie called Repo Man. Oh God, are you serious? I love it. Each <laughs> each song.
1: It's who invites him onto this show? <laughs> I don't know, man. I thought he was your friend. <laughs>
0: No, I'm, I'm, and I just, and yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm swear just to God, been... I'm not
2: picking, I did not pick any of these to scandalize. I also, like, one of my runners-up would have been 200 Motels by Frank Zappa, which has some great orchestral <laughs> music in it, some of the most twisted orchestral stuff, where it sounds like the whole orchestra is just melting. But anyway, Repo Man. It has a lot of, like, of the early seminal punk bands in it, but like the movie, I don't have either of you ever seen Repo Man?
0: Doesn't it have Emilio Estevez in it?
2: Yes, it is. His first role, his first starring role.
1: I don't think I've ever heard of the movie, and (laughs) Scott, I don't think I want to meet him anymore.
2: (laughs) I'm telling you, Repo Man is one of those movies, it reminds me of the Firesign Theater. It's one of those movies you can watch 800 times and you keep detecting. And to me, it's almost the definitive punk rock movie. Although, you know, there's a million punk rock idiots out there who would debate, like, how. Because pu- a lot of the music they chose for it is kind of on the funnier side and is almost more rock and roll. It's not the, like, pu- punk rock you imagine that's just sort of, like, spit out vocals. I think the director picked the songs because you could understand the lyrics, and the lyrics of the songs all fit in. What's going on in the story, and sometimes actually characters will speak some of the lyrics from some of the songs you hear in it, and sometimes you actually see the people who perform the songs doing it. And uh, oh my God, it's one of the most listenable albums I've ever heard. And and the only reason it made my list by because it had rock songs on it. I was gonna sort of bump it because you know I would say probably at least half the songs were. You know, had not, you know, were recorded long before the movie was made. But the director fit them in there so well, and they're not, except for the first song, which was written by Iggy Pop, nobody was, is really, there's no big hit songs or big bands. They're all sort of crummy recordings, you know, from bands who were probably like 19 years old when they when they recorded them but they're all great songs my favorite song on it is like well there's a there's a spanish version of secret agent man with all the lyrics of secret agent man and spe- hombre, a
0: hombre secreto yeah, I, I didn't know that was from it i've actually heard that and then, <laughs>
2: and then there's another song that's a pure it's sort of like a surf song but it's it's hispanic it sounds like something you would hear in a lowrider car and it's actually in the soundtrack when they're repossessing some guy's lowrider and it's this great (laughs) like Mexican song with Mexican lyrics that I have you know Spanish lyrics that I have no idea what they're saying but uh it's just every time I hear that song, it it just gets me going, and that and it, and that and whenever I hear that album, it brings me back to the movie, and uh, and the movie is as much a parody of punk rock as it is, you know, a celebration of it. It's it really makes fun of the the uh, conventions of it, the pretensions of it. Yeah. And it's just a, you, you, a damn fine entertaining movie. I know, I, <laughs> I know. I swear to God, I did not make this list to cause trouble. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I swear to God. I you know, got me on this
0: one because I'm doing a search right now, and I, I don't think I have even the even the main... If there is a main theme, I don't even have the main theme, which is rare for me. I mean, I usually have at least a main theme the, from, the, from if movies. If you look for
2: yeah. Iggy Pop Repo Man... It has one of the great. It has one of the and it's and it's a great song because it's a very sort of. It's not a punk rock song. It's a very sort of slow, laid back song, and it's just Iggy Pop singing about how crappy it is to be a punk rock kid. And there's a great line where um, I was a teenage dinosaur stoned and shit. I was a teenage dinosaur. <laughs> Stoned and un-something. I didn't get fucked and I didn't get kissed. I got so fucking pissed. Great lyrics, classic I lyrics. Heard that,
0: <laughs> I think we lost well, Mark. No. I think he tuned out in disgust. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I,
1: I was. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I liked. To what you, I liked. Um, I,
2: the heart. The heart. Wants well, now see, heart wants. I was so
1: impressed with your number two.
0: <laughs>
1: and a lot of people <laughs> are impressed with my number fun. two.
2: I, I, I'm
1: i a oh. master of number two, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, you're full well, of I had an idea why, why um, I was totally ignoring you on your number one. <laughs> and and um, I was doing a search for AFI's 100 years of film scores and what mainstream world AFI has selected as their top 25 film scores of all Ooh. time. Do you want to see how we did compared to what they think? Ooh. No, all not right, really, not but good. yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. The Godfather's got to be I, up
2: there. Gone with the Winds got to be up there. Yeah.
0: Just
1: tell me they're number
0: one, and that that will tell me whether I think the whole list is going to be bullshit or not.
1: Well, their number one, which we were not allowed. Is Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope by John Williams? All right. Uh,
0: How okay. about that? Okay. All right. Okay. So I, I, I will tell you
1: that that if you add us all together, we didn't do too bad. So here uh, in the top twenty-five, really quickly. Um, is what they have. Number two, Gone with the Wind, Max Steiner. Uh-huh. Number three, Lawrence of Arabia, Bujar. Uh-huh. Number four, Psych Psycho. Number four, Psycho, uh-huh. Guard Herman. Yeah. That one, number- that
0: one almost. I, honestly, seriously, that one almost made my list.
1: Okay, Scott, this is supposed to be quick. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Just joking. Feel free to comment <laughs> Number five, The Godfather, Nina uh... Number six, Jaws, John Williams. Can I stop you number for one s-
0: second i'm sure. sorry i don't I don't mean to hold this up but I, I gotta call shenanigans on the godfather that that one's disqualified it's iconic because though. it's i uh, exactly but it's iconic for one theme and that's the Godfather theme but it, listen to that album and you'll see that I'm serious the rest of that album it, it's like elevator music. there's nothing to
1: it but and um, Scott it, you're preaching to the choir none of us put Godfather on our list
0: no i I know that but no. i mean I, I don't know if i if I commented on that when i when I Tell gave my criteria AFI, that was actually, well, I'm just saying that that was one of my one of my qualifiers on my own list was that it had to be something more than just the main theme cuz there's a lot of great main you know, look at The Last Starfighter is I, I will argue that that is one of the greatest main themes ever but the rest of the album is kind of in but it's a great main theme The Black Hole. same thing yeah, the black exactly. The rest <laughs> I of the love album, the
1: black. Bolt. Not so
0: great, you know. But the main, the main theme, absolutely. And the Godfather is nothing but that. It's a great main theme. The rest of the album sucks. <laughs> All right, on with the list. So, we- <laughs> we'll muzzle, All right, we'll six. Jaws.
1: John Williams. Damn straight. That one almost made my list too. Seven. Laura. David Raskin. Mm, have to agree with um, uh-huh. Scott. That's you know good theme, but whole score. I'm not sure. I'm not
0: familiar with that one.
1: Number eight, The Magnificent Seven, Elmer Bernstein. Yeah. Straight. Number nine, we have a Jerry Goldsmith entry, Chinatown.
2: Oh, I love that movie.
1: Is that a Jack Nicholson movie? Roman Polanski
2: yeah. and Jack Nicholson.
0: And I don't know that I'm familiar with that score.
2: Great nose cutting scene. Number,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Number ten, High Noon, Dmitry Tiomkin. Number eleven, *The Adventures of Robin Hood*, Eric Wolfgang Corngold. Mm-hmm. Number tw- what? I was just saying yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, number twelve, *Vertigo*, Bernard Herrmann. Yeah. Number thirteen, *King Kong*, Max Steiner, nineteen thirty-three version.
0: Uh, I call *Shenanigans*.
1: That one's not so hot. Number fourteen, *E.T. the Extraterrestrial*, John Williams. Extraterrestical. Number fifteen, out of Africa, John Barry. Now, John Barry didn't make my list, but he was close. He was like he's like James Horner, where he had a lot of entries on my list, but didn't make the top five. But Out of Africa would be one of my favorite John Barry's. Uh, Sixteen, Sunset Boulevard, by Franz Waxman. Number seven. Yeah. Number seventeen, To Kill a Mockingbird, Elmer Bernstein. Uh, this should make you happy, Scott. Number 18, Planet of the Apes, yeah. Jerry Goldsmith. Goddamn right. <laughs> damn filthy Number ape.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Number 19, A Streetcar Named Desire, Alex North. Number 20, The Pink Panther by Henry yeah. Mancini. So he gets an Shenanigans, on-
0: shenanigans.
1: Who no, knows I...
0: anything of The Pink Panther other than, than the da-dun, da I, gr- granted, it's a it's shot an the iconic dark. theme. That's all it... But even Shot in the Dark, man, who so, knows anything um, out of the, other than the yeah. main theme? I, I call well, it... A-
1: that song, Paris. Uh, what was yeah. that song about Paris? That was good. It was good, but I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm oh, shenanigans. Shenanigans! <laughs> I'm just glad Henry Mancini is represented. Yeah, yeah, uh, that would not be my choice of his scores, but yeah, me either. I, would, I would put
0: Life Force ahead of that.
1: I would put... Um, Gosh, um, Condor Man, um, The Great Mouse Detective. uh. I was so surprised that that was not your number one. What, The Great Mouse Detective or Condor Man?
0: Uh, Actually, either one, but more more, uh, uh, Great Mouse Detective. I
1: really, really thought that was going to be your number one. Just because my cat's name is Basil of Baker Street, that doesn't mean. Well, anything. I know that
0: that's your favorite Disney film, which is really saying something, you know. I mean, with all
1: the great Disney films out there, you know,
0: I I, I don't know. I just knowing you, I, I really thought that was going
1: to be your number one. Um. So we're okay. So number twenty-one, Ben Hur, Miklós Rosha. Number twenty-two, On the Waterfront, Leonard Bernstein. Or I should say, Leonard Bernstein. Number twenty-three. This makes me happy, and I did not know this when I picked my list, but The Mission by Ennio Morricone. Uh-huh cool number 24 on golden pond Dave Grusin I considered that one and you know I don't know that one I have to listen to that Dave Grusin cuz I'm not a big jazz fan so I haven't been a real big Dave Grusin it's fan. not it's not jazzy though so I, I need to listen to that uh, and the number 25 is how the West was won by yep. Alfred Newman. yep now, see, I, I'm not
0: familiar. What was the other one you mentioned? Uh, Magnificent Seven and the How the Westers one. I'm not familiar with anything more than the main themes, but they are part of the Frontierland loop in both uh, Disneyland and Walt Disney World. And those are loops that I listen to quite frequently. And so I've become very familiar with both of those themes. And yeah, I can see, at least for the main themes anyway, I can see those two being on the list because they are very iconic Western movie themes. Um I mean if it, it's not the kind of thing where you would hear it and go oh that's the western's one but if you heard it you would know it you know what i mean and so yeah i, I can i can kind of see that at least for main themes anyway but uh yeah i just like to comment on all the bernard herman that's on that list cuz uh yeah although he didn't make my list with anything of his He's i don't really think good. i've ever heard of bernard herman that i didn't like cuz i mean there's also uh um, the day the earth stood still which uh we, did we just lose him again yep God damn it
2: we should wrap it up real quick too now
0: oh, oh, we are yeah now oh, we are because I, I just realized how so late we're going you there Mark? stop hanging <laughs> up on me damn it yeah I swear I'm not touching the thing but uh but uh, on Bernard Herrmann uh, there's uh the day the earth stood still which you know that, that to me is a, is a you know, right up
1: there with, with Psycho and, uh, and Vertigo yep. well and who was John Williams' mentor? anyone? anyone? oh was it Bernard Herrmann? It was?
0: I thought it was? I
1: thought he worked for... Uh, okay, I guess I could see that, but I thought... Wasn't he part of uh, Mancini's... He played Peter Gunn, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That is John Williams playing I the piano. Oh, I did not awesome. know that. Oh, that's cool. I did not know that. That's awesome. Well, we were
0: running very long, so real quick, let's uh, roundtable um, honorable mentions. Things that didn't make our list but were damn close or were alternates.
1: Well, I can just run through my list really quick. These are ones that um, I wrote down out of all the stuff that I have that you know were great. Um, Jerry Goldsmith, Air Force One, um, The Mummy, Poltergeist, Rudy, Sleeping with the Enemy, and Star Trek were all my top Jerry Goldsmiths. James with, with Horner. Star Trek. Well, I just glumped Star Trek oh, and Star okay. Trek, but I, I mainly meant the first one. Um, Then for James Horner, An American Tale, Braveheart, Field of Dreams, Glory, Crawl, that's that. Um, John Barry, Dances with Wolves, and Somewhere in Time. And um, for John Williams, I had um, Harry Potter, Jaws, uh, Schindler's List. And then just some one-offs, I had um, Cutthroat Island by John Debney, uh, Ever After by George Fenton, um, Forrest Gump, Alan Silvestri, Henry V, Patrick Doyle, Home Alone, John Williams, um, *Oh Raiders, John Williams, and uh, those are the ones that's that's my, my, my list that I came up with to narrow it down.
0: Cool. Man, that's a hell of a list. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be like two or three. Um, I added a couple real quick while you we were talking, just because you put me in mind of a couple that you, that you didn't mention. Um, but my my straight alternate list was uh, um, First Blood by Jerry Goldsmith. Mm-hmm. That was a real tough one for me to leave off. But uh, the only reason it didn't make it is because the album that's out there, well, actually in the movie, too, I th- believe the movie ends... With that shitty song, and that shitty song is actually on the album, so I had to take points off for that because I can't listen to that <laughs> song. But the but the actual score part of the album by Goldsmith, man, I, I First Blood is one of my absolute favorites. It's just a great score. It gets your blood going, and, and it just it tells a story. And the quiet moments are really nice. And it's just it's an all around. You know, it's got adventure. It's got quiet stuff. It's got intrigue. It's just an all around. Really good, Goldsmith score. Um, just a quick uh, nod to his other non Star Trek the Motion Picture Star Can Trek. Can you do anything quick? Um, although I don't think much of First Contact, there's a couple moments toward the end of that one that are really good. Like uh, when uh, when the the experimental ship goes into warp speed for the first time. That's some great uh, Star Trek by Goldsmith. The whole soundtrack to Insurrection I think was was great and the second disc of the um, the bootleg version of Star Trek Nemesis is awesome. I don't think very much of the first half of that soundtrack or the first half of that movie really, but the second half where where the battle starts to happen, man that's uh, that's some great Goldsmith score on on that movie. Whether you like either one of those movies or not, the, the scores are excellent. Um you mentioned something by Alan Silvestri, and that put me in mind of Castaway, and uh, The Polar Express are both
1: just love the polo. polar Polar Express almost made my list too.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about two that that I mean, man, oh man, they they tug at your heartstrings so bad. I mean, I listen to Castaway and I get really depressed. I listen to The Polar Express and just get kind of like like. Uh, I don't know what the term would be, but, you know, like, like how the movie, like, if you're a grown-up watching them, especially if you're a parent and you watch the Polar Express, it'll make you kind of, kind of sad for when your kids get to that questioning Santa age, and the music works on that level, you know, it's just kind of...
1: That's great. Kind of bittersweet. I'm surprised you didn't have um, Back to the Future by uh, Sylvester. I thought you were a big fan of that.
0: I am, but you know why that one doesn't, that one doesn't make my list only because, um... Huey Lewis? I don't know, how else... No, I, I don't know how to say this other than to just say it. I'm I'm tired of it. You know what I mean? And I, that's so mean. I, I know that sounds really, really evil, but I, I just am. I'm just kind of tired of it. I'm burned out on it. Plus, you know, the Star Wars movies by by Gold, by uh, excuse me by Williams to me are so cool because although they're all in the same universe, they are all so very distinct from one another. Even the ones like like Empire and Jedi that use and reuse the Imperial March in so many different ways, but then you listen to the Back to the Future movies, and they're so interchangeable, you know, I mean each one sounds like the next one he wasn't terribly imaginative or reimaginative with the same theme, although I guess you could argue that Back to the Future 3 does have a a, a definite western spin to it but still, it, it just wasn't enough to make my list, but As a main theme, like if we ever did a list of like our favorite just main themes, oh, yeah, I think Back to the Future would make my main theme list. Um, So what else you got? uh, Real, real quick, um, going back to Chris's list, um, I have one by Walter Carlos's sister, Wendy. Um, My list could not be complete without a, a shout out to Tron. One of my absolute favorite scores. I used to, for a time when I when I was a kid and I had this album, I used to fall asleep listening to this album every night.
2: It would have made and, my list except for Journey. Uh,
0: exactly. That's exactly why it didn't make my list. There's two Journey tracks on there, and whenever I put it on my MP3 player, I have to leave those two tracks off. They annoy the shit out of me. So just for that, sorry, Tron, you didn't make my list. And I will say... Um, Thank you, Disney, for finally, finally putting this thing out on CD. And not only putting it out on CD, but they actually gave us some bonus material. So, you know, anybody that likes this score, snap it up on CD. And there actually is an amalgamated uh, bootleg version of this out there that has um, the original soundtrack, the extra tracks, and a track that I believe came from an old Laserdisc release. Oh, just which, say it. Which is called uh, The Deleted Light Cycle Music. And uh, one of Wendy Carlos's albums was all about like the planets. It was, was kind of like a reimagining of like, Hulse the Planets. And one of the planet themes on there, I swear, is nothing but a reworking of that Deleted very, Light very, Cycle very, Music. Very well could be. And uh, lastly, my very last one... Um, this one didn't make my list only because every single album version of it is pitifully produced. But if they would do one that was just strictly the score, I would love it. It would it would definitely make my list. Is uh, "Roller Coaster" by Lalo Schifrin? I, I love that score. And it's one that definitely works so well in the movie. I mean, it, it without that music in that movie, that movie would really just be your run-of-the-mill, thriller. you know, suspense movie, yeah, thriller. But that music makes that movie. But sadly, there just hasn't ever been a really good release of it. And that's my list, my alternates. My
2: alternates, I'd pretty much, you know, the John Williams Raiders, Close Encounters would have are are really close. Um, Superman. Um, Popeye is one that I thought about. Yeah.
0: I'm Popeye didn't make your list. I love list.
2: that soundtrack. I love it. Um, shit. The Muppet movie. I used to listen
1: to that. That's movie a great the, score. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, it's, it
2: is. Paul Williams songs, you know. Paul Williams. Um, oh, geez. There's a, a great soundtrack to a health film by Roger Waters called Music from the Body. It's great. It's just sort of Pink Floydy music, but then there's a lot of stuff that they did just by using their mouths and and you know hitting various parts of their bodies and sounds of of uh, the heart pumping and stuff. And it's really great. And that's, I make that's music for my body all the time, <laughs> but nobody
0: ever seems to appreciate it. Uh,
2: the uh, the black <laughs> the black holes one I like. You know, the bla- there, there's John a lot Barry. of them that, yeah, the black hole. Um, <laughs> I like the opening theme to the original Battlestar Galactica. Yes, show. yes,
0: that was the only thing I liked about yeah. that
2: show. Uh, we used it a lot in our Battle and Order Space Wars show um, mm-hmm. things that we used to do, whatever you want to call them. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I'll think of a dozen more, you know, before.
1: Um, well, it's funny you mentioned. Battlestar Galactica, because as I was putting my list together, I was jotting down notes on my favorite—not TV themes, but TV shows that, as a whole, had great music throughout their sh- their run.
0: That could be and another it's, theme in itself. Yeah, yeah. It could be a whole another show, absolutely.
1: Because I came up with a list of like twenty.
0: I would say hang on to that, and we'll we'll definitely do that as a follow up. Because I, I hadn't thought of that. That's a damn good subject yeah. right there.
1: Cool final uh... final thoughts gentlemen well i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are after hearing our top five going, what the hell <laughs> um, so all i can say is for you people that have different opinions um get your own podcast
0: no way get a hold of us Just tell us um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah tell it will call us be part for you be a part of our rebuttal show sure. yeah, absolutely um... let us know what you thought of our list um... give us yours we will we will read them out we'll have a feedback episode and uh... Yep. And uh, read out, you know, what what people submitted as their favorites, um, and you what get the why. Why is it your favorite
1: too? Not yeah, just absolutely.
0: Like, yeah, don't don't just throw out a name. Uh, you know, give us, you know, tell us your story. I mean, I definitely gave a story on all of mine. Yeah. So
2: you, I mean, you can. Yeah, get, that's tell, what our forum is for. You can come visit our forums. Our forum. Yep. At um, where is it? It's at the um. It,
0: comicforums.com. Mm-hmm. Thecomicforums.com. dot The dot com. Just scroll down. So, um, to, you'll see it two true freaks um you can contact us at our gmail it's uh two true Freaks dot gmail dot com and it's uh uh t w o true freaks uh dot gmail dot com or at g i'm sorry at gmail dot com damn i'm tired right. it's late uh-huh. <laughs> at gmail dot com um we have the forums um we have a myspace account yep really uh, where else can they get my, a hold of us, my Chris? That-
2: MySpace slash Two True Freaks, and you can go to um, you can go to uh, YouTube, and uh, look for username Two True Freaks, <laughs> and that has a lot of, a lot of stuff that we've talked about, and just a lot of stuff that we used to watch when we were hanging around, and just stuff that I've found interesting, and collected. From off the YouTubes, I'm very good at finding stuff that you thought you'd never see before or have never seen before. So I'm stocking our YouTube account with that. And I use it occasionally at our, when you go to our um, Libsyn account where we have all our episodes, I'll sometimes I'll stick a little playlist of, of clips from movies that we're talking about or, you know, stuff that goes along with what we were saying. So yeah, there's a million ways you can talk to us.
0: There is. There's no excuse for you not to contact us. And I guess
1: so do it. Well, and if um, if you come to um, the Animal Kingdom show and go see Finding Nemo, come find Mark and let me know. Cool. Just don't do it in the middle of a show. Just don't
2: do it in like a stalker-like fashion. <laughs>
1: and then, Scott, your number's what? Five, five, five. <laughs> exactly. I wish. I
0: wish. I, I, we're, we're, we're still debating that, but I mean, you know. There's at least four ways to get a hold of us. So if you're listening and you're enjoying, or, or better yet, if you're hating what you're hearing, well, we want to hear about it. Let us let us hear from you. you got as, four ways. As
2: as far as my top five go, I just want to say, you know, you may think I am insane, but it's not I that's insane. It is you, you that are insane. <laughs> I tell you.
1: Not Ugh. according to AFI. They never even heard of your last movie. <laughs>
2: One day, one day I'll be vindicated. <laughs> the invasion of the plastic All right, men gentlemen. is coming. It's coming. <laughs> the invasion of the plastic <laughs> men is coming.
0: <laughs> I think that about wraps us up. Um, I want to say thank you to uh, Comic Geek Speak for uh, letting us uh, piss in their pool and be on their forums. And thanks to Mark for joining us yes. for this episode. I've had an absolute blast. Me too! Cool. Nice.
1: Thanks for inviting me again. I've been well, don't get too much time.
2: I <laughs> created arms for <laughs> you. legs are plastic. Good night. Whole man of plastic! <laughs>